This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Metaphysical Connection, episode 42. Why JFK was killed, the nexus of dark forces that came together to execute the American dream. In this episode, we talk about how the CIA slowly took over the United States and led to conflicts around the world under the philosophy of the global manifest destiny. All of this happened under the control of two of the most nefarious characters in modern history, the Dulles Brothers. We take you through the history of the Truman and Eisenhower administrations, the election of Jack Kennedy, the Bay of Pigs, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and then finally the events that led to November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, Texas. And then we're going to bring it all home together when we talk about how Alan Dulles led the Warren Commission and the fabrication of the lone gunman theory. We originally recorded this episode as a two-part special, but because Walt and I are going to be gone next week, we are compiling it together to a special, almost three-hour-long episode. It's going to be a long one, but this is perfect for all of you who are going on those extra-long car rides and need some company. So thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Everybody knows the deal is rotten. Old Black Joe's still picking cotton. For your ribbons and bows. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor The rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows the boat is leaking uh, So anyway, we were. Uh, where do we want to begin the show? Uh, do we want to talk about... Uh, Jim Loretta's uh, research into the paranormal for the past week and what news items that he found first? I want, one of the items you sent me, Jim, which I, I really uh, latched on to, was the, the crystal that that uh, guy found in the, was yeah. in the Bahama, off the Bahamas. Okay. He, he went in, into a, he found a, he found an under, underwater pyramid. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? I thought that was really cool. Okay. Um just so you, I'm not. I don't know if I'm participating this week, but I I have to leave by 12:30. I know your show will run longer, so I'm just giving you a heads up. Okay. So long as you have your ceremonial dagger strapped on. <laughs> it's strapped to my waist. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're good to go um, then. As the story goes, I've heard this before, but this is a little more detailed. Um, there's a Dr. Ray Brown. He was like on a, a scuba diving trip in the Bahamas in 1970. And uh, he, uh, he came upon a pyramid underwater. So there was an opening, and he, he swam into it, and he found an interior room that was well lit, but there was no source of light that he could see. And there was a rod coming down with a red gemstone attached to it, and below it was a crystal sphere. And uh, the sphere was resting in the palms of two hands, like held upright. So uh, 
he grabbed the sphere. He couldn't remove the ruby uh, off the rod, but he was able to remove the sphere, and he swam out. He kept the story covered up because he was concerned that, uh, you know, there might be some salvage rates, uh, salvage rights by the government. And he didn't reveal the story until five years later. And um, evidently, um, strange things happened around this uh, sphere, uh, indicating that maybe it's uh, some type of um, uh, memory recorder because uh, they could uh, um, see phantom lights. They could feel a breath of wind when they held it, hot and cold sensations, tingling of energy. They could hear voices. Uh, they do believe it's an Atlantean uh, production, you know, Atlantia, that it goes back to the age of Atlantis. Did, uh, and it somehow links to the crystal skulls that have been, uh, you know, uh, talked about and shown uh, around the world. Didn't it, so, all, didn't it also say that you could see images of pyramids in, yeah. inside of it when you look yes, at it a certain yes. way? Which is kind of, yes, kind he of did. cool. Yeah, he did. And uh, when he passed away at age 89, uh, it was passed to another person. And um, when <clears throat> there's other things that happen around it. When, the, when you place a compass needle near it, it spins uh, counterclockwise wildly. Metals are temporarily magnetized when they come in close contact with it. Um, there have been recorded instances of people being healed temporarily when they, uh, of an ailment when they, when they touch the sphere. Um, it's just a very interesting uh, uh, item. And um, I think it probably has a link to uh, Atlantis and to um, the submerged temple. Maybe is linked to what Casey talked about, that, that there would be a, a hall of records found um, uh, off the Bahamas as well as two other places on the earth. So... Um, I just thought that was a very interesting article. It was like a little more detailed than I had ever uh, seen, talked about. The uh, the um, the whole thing, in my mind, sort of segued back to a, sh a show we did um, back a ways now about pyramids. Exactly, and, and how yeah. they were, you know, real. I mean, everybody sort of always positioned them as just tombs for <laughs> for the pharaohs or whatever, at least the Egyptian pyramids anyway. And and <clears throat> the, the latter thinking now is that they were energy capturing devices exactly so so it seems from that <clears throat> excuse me from that story that that pyramid is capturing um some kind of energy um and and that the gemstone in the rod the ruby is uh, disseminating that disseminating that energy into the interior of that pyramid which is which probably accounts for the illumination which you know is is odd when you think about it you know an yeah. internal structure underwater being illuminated internally is is pretty hard to account for um but if you think at <clears throat> excuse me think about it in those terms you know it makes a lot more sense and yeah. also the usage of the pyramids around the world being you know some kind of a power grid a connected power grid. that's exactly it yeah, yeah. Is, is, that, that what is that what you're thinking eric what i'm thinking is that part of the show that Part of what we did, by the way, we have cough drops right over there. That's okay. I'm good. I'm good. So the, it, the part of the show that we did was that we were dispelled the myth that the only pyramids exist, exist in Egypt and South America. 
And part of that information is that there are pyramids found all over the globe. Um, and there, I think there are even some pyramids here in, in North America. Correct me if I'm wrong. And the entire no, you're like, right. You're correct. They've been discovered around the world, and they're still finding them. There's even news of them even, being found in, in Antarctica, of all places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's one in Alaska, too, that, 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 that's one of the frontier- recently been discovered that they're kind of keeping covered up. For some and and one, of the, one of the last uh, frontiers that we have yet to explore is both Greenland and Antarctica because of, well, obviously the adverse conditions. Every time you turn around, somebody is discovering a new pyramid. And the question is, well, who built these pyramids? And modern academia just wants you to believe, because of the paradigm, is that, oh, well, you know, you know it's like it's, 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 it's a natural sort of like thing that, of course, people, primitive people would build pyramids. Well, how the hell is it that these primitive people are able to move these giant blocks without um, modern machinery? Or what kind of machinery did they use? And Neil deGrasse Tyson is famous for saying that just because we don't know how they did it didn't mean that there was alien intervention. Well, okay, well, give me a decent explanation. So if it wasn't alien technology, then obviously it was a technology that they shouldn't have had back then. Well, well, also another point that we've made in in past shows is that apparently there was some kind of a a much more advanced civilization that predated, Exactly. um, you know, that has has no place in our history. There's there's no there's really no chronicling of that. Yeah. And 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 I think the fact that there were these pyramids all over the globe, um, which they would have you believe are, are not connected, and, and ha- I don't see how all of how, these how cultures could, could have be? developed this use this shape the same you know a very similar shape that that just doesn't. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, it's not even, an, even if it's not alien. It was some kind of an advanced culture that um, you know we we just have lost touch with. It's not um, an unfair question to ask. What's how, that? how are they not connected? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I don't. How do you, how do you, you know? That's kind of converse logic, but but it's true. How can he, he, although we don't have necessarily hard proof for that, it it just seems logical. That there was some connection, and and maybe that connection was that it was a worldwide energy grid. And on, and on top of everything else, Walt, is that um, we've put up a lot of links on our, our Facebook group, whether it's the Metaphysical Connection or the Die Hard Indie Fan Facebook group that I manage, is that there, we're constantly finding pyramids where they should not belong. And here's here's a case for, for how climate change has been something that has been happening off and on for the past um, couple of tens of thousands of years. Because the thing is, is that there's evidence, and we publish stories to this, and we're going to link to them on the show page, with all of these um, uh, uh, settlements that are just off the coast underwater, Mm -hmm. which means that, well, either they're building underwater villages. Well, that's, that's unlikely. Or... The coastline was much fur- further outland than original than we originally yeah, the, the thought. Yeah, plan- the, the planet's been reconfigured somehow. Yeah, in, in some shape or form, whether it was a polar shift or or just some kind of big um, influx of of water. Um, like, yeah. you know, in the flood the flood stories, uh, but something clearly. I mean, clearly they would not have built that underwater. That was that was on solid land above water when it was built. Whenever whenever that was. Um, Jim, do you know, do you know the, um, 
what what the where the crystal is now i mean it's in a private collection i guess or something um i think wasn't it rolled out at some point wasn't there a crystal skulls uh like convention yeah, there or was something a crystal skull, but the sphere is uh it was passed to the ownership of an arthur fanning when ray brown passed and beyond that it doesn't say anymore so maybe if we looked up arthur fanning we might see that he he uh he displays it uh, on occasion. I'm not sure. It doesn't. It, it doesn't really. It doesn't really mm-hmm. talk about where it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, to piggyback on what you guys just said, I mean, I think it's possible that our ancestors uh, were quite advanced and that they came here from someplace else, possibly Mars. Which, if you follow some of the current thinking, Mars was a moon of an original planet that was destroyed in some great war, and. Uh, it's, it's you know primitive peoples existed, but they probably existed alongside of advanced peoples, just like we have it today, where you have yeah, Aborigines yeah, living yeah. in, you know, in the desert out in Australia, but you know, alongside of us having a so-called advanced civilization. So I think that knowledge of pyramid building and huge structures uh, probably came from them, and it's lost because uh, the Earth suffered a cataclysm. It, it absolutely did. There was a pole shift. There was a great devastation, and all we have left are buried records, which either they've already found or someday they'll find. I, I got a feeling that Zawasi, who used to be in control of Egyptian antiquities, you know, found it but won't allow anyone to go in because, or, you know, it, it would upset upset the <laughs> their brain. whole academic yeah. structure. It would be a turd in his punch bowl. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. There was also another. Anyway, there was another news story that there's another news story that we were going to uh, link to. Uh, I'm going to read the headline here: Large-scale subjugation of continental crust implied by India-Asia mass balance calculation from Nature Geoscience uh, Nature Geoscience National Re- Natural Research. Try and say that twelve times fast. Somewhere between India and China, there was another subcontinent that slipped underneath the ocean and into, into the crust, um, the surface crust of, of, of the planet, of the surface of the planet. Which the thing is, is like if a giant land mass was subjugated down into, into the main crust and in, into down deeper into layers, you would have thought that that would have created a, like some kind of a vacuum and the ocean would have just sort of like rushed into that area and sort of like dropped this ocean, the, the, the ocean levels all over the planet over, over a course of maybe, I don't know, maybe a year or something like that. There may have been massive floodings for all of these, all of these coastal regions or what used to be coastal regions? That could be an explanation. What What is the the genesis of that? Was it a, was it a was it a meteor strike or a, no? Just for some reason, some kind of shift in the crust. A, a, a sub a subcontinent tectonic plate just slipped right just underneath. Yeah, just well, shifted. I mean, that could happen. Yeah, it could have been a could have been a pole, part of a pole shift. Could have been anything. And there's there's a lot of conjecture around that. So, yeah, maybe that's where the uh, maybe that's where the Aryans were. Yeah, hanging out. I don't know. That's about the area that they were supposed the, the to lost civilization in. of Mu, <clears throat> Minerva, like Northern or whatever India, we call them. Yeah, who knows? Could be. Yeah, 
Interesting. What do you, what else do you have, Jim? You have any any other? I I do. Goodies. Uh, I don't know if we have time goodies. Goodies of the, uh, from the metaphysical realm. Yeah, goodies from the metaphysical realm. This uh, this one is about bizarre slips of time, and I I never came across this before. It's really interesting. Um, there have been a number of incidents where people um, lose time or or show up on a journey ahead of themselves. Yeah. Uh, Lost time. Yeah. Uh, there was a student in 1991. Uh, he was he was riding a bus, and he got a strange feeling. Uh, and he started to imagine a lot of the people in the bus were laughing at him. And then suddenly there was a blip, and the bus was a mile back on the highway. Uh, and he was watching everything pass through the windows just as he had seen them happen a few moments ago. And it just, it, he, it was scared him so badly, he didn't talk about it for a while. Uh, um, when the bus finally stopped at the destination, he approached the bus driver and he, he, he actually shared just with the bus driver what he thought had happened. And the bus driver was really nervous and he, he, all he said was like things like that happen here. Uh, there was another uh, incidence um, of uh, lost time. This, this, this couple was traveling uh, <clears throat> in a car out in California. And um, they, uh, this, this suddenly their car went dead. They couldn't start it up, and um, things didn't look quite right around them. And it was pretty scary. But finally, they were able to start the car, and like they, they really they sped off out of the area because it seemed really weird. And uh, when they looked at their clock, they had somehow lost twelve minutes. Twelve minutes had passed. Um, there's another story about uh, this family in Alabama. The mother was on the porch shelling peas. The kids were playing. And uh, the husband rode up on his horse with a bag of groceries. And when he got to the gate, he stopped there. He was waiting for the boys to run out and open the gate. And all of a sudden, in full view of all of them, he just he disappeared. Um, and this was a, this happened in the 1920s. And then uh, they were terrified for a bit, but then they went back to business. Uh, and a few minutes later, the same thing happened all over again, about a half hour later. And the same husband rode up to the house. He waited for the kids to open the gate. They went and opened the gate, and life went on as if nothing had happened. So that's kind of an instance of, the, of a, a man arriving ahead of himself on his journey. It's um, an example of, of getting ahead of yourself, I guess, as, yeah. as the phrase goes. Yeah, <clears throat> I was I was um, reading I, I was reading an interesting article. Um, it, it's kind of connected to this, I think, and it was about how now they're they're starting to understand more and more about quantum physics and and how yes. time time actually operates. And and there's some thinking now that uh, time is is fluid, um, so that. Yeah. So that the future could indeed inform the the past in exactly. some way. Yeah. So so that we don't actually have a static past. We we only have a static past in that it's what we accept as 
being the past. Right. And it, it may or may not be uh, fixed, which which I that thought. Makes, mm, yeah, that makes sense to me in terms of quantum physics. It makes perfect sense. I, I, I that that yeah, I, I I understand what you're saying. It makes sense to me. I thought that uh, was I thought that was interesting in terms of it is interesting how we may um, approach history in the future and and what you know what the, the notion is that. You know, maybe maybe what we accept uh, we accept history as is not really um, really real. It, you know, it, it could be okay. just sort of an illusion sort of it, thing. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? We and we we all sort of have a group acceptance of that illusion. Exactly. Um, and and maybe that changes. Some of the some well, of the studies that they've you know, done not in to wax esoteric, but supposedly past, present, and future is all the same, and it's. It's just part of our illusion in this reality we live in. Right. So, right. which is which know. is kind of interesting that when it, it kind it, of folds it, into the uh, idea that we're, we're we're living in a hologram. Yeah, you're it was right. gone there for was a, it's gone for a group of kids in England on their way to school, and uh, this little old lady at a cottage invited them to come in. They figured they had time, so they went in. They had some tea. Did you have a gin, they, Did you have a gingerbread house? Did you have a gingerbread house, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> they went onward to school and uh what should have taken about 20 minutes when they got there they realized school was over they'd been missing the whole day and so, they, and they um, were delighted <laughs> <laughs> and they were delighted when they went back there was no cottage there uh no old lady and no cottage and the last one this is really interesting um they were these couple were driving back in 2004. They were driving um, to a friend's house, and suddenly the truck engine died on a deserted highway at night. So uh, they were surrounded by cornfields. So they decided to start walking. They couldn't get the truck started again, and uh, they walked and walked, which what seemed like hours. And finally, they saw a light in the distance over a hill. So they they climbed the hill, and what they saw was a futuristic city uh, with light streaming out of every window, massive metallic towers, a huge silver dome in the center. And above all of this, they saw hovercraft flying, hundreds of them flying all over the city. And they got so scared, they took off and ran back. Uh, they found their truck. This time it started and they, they sped away. So um, I, I sent you this, Eric, so you can put it in the show notes. But I just thought... I never came across time slips before. That was that was pretty interesting. What you? I, I turned my mic off. Wait a minute. Have you have you ever encountered time slips, Walt? Personally? Jim? Yeah. No, I can't say that I have. Okay. All right. No, I haven't either. Because one of the things I one of the things I tried to talk, say earlier is that they've been trying to do research and they've been getting studying tachyons. Tachyons have this really weird. Sort of like sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't work. And it, it, it appears that some tachyons, for whatever reason, they will move forward in space but backwards in time. What, 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 define that term. I, I'm not familiar. What tachyons yeah. is just a type of particle. What do you mean article? Particle. Oh, particle. particle. Oh, oh, okay. okay. I didn't, a physical particle. Okay, I, I wasn't aware of that. So. 
Okay. I just needed a definition on that. Oh, you've never heard of tacky? No, I have before. not. No, it's as ignorant as that makes me. Well, see, the thing is, is that... <laughs> see, there's some, there's see, subatomic part. That's one of the subatomic part. Yeah. Okay, thank be, you. And so, be, so you guys are obviously much brighter well, than be, it's be, cause, <laughs> cause, Because Jim is a total Star Trek geek and a Trekkie, and of course, it's like... Do they he, figure into those into that realm? It's like if you've ever watched like an episode of, of Star Trek The Next Generation, you can't like swing a, you can't swing a dead cat without talking about somebody, some nerd <laughs> talking about tachyons and stuff like that on Star Trek. Sort of like... And, and, I, when, a, and, I, and when an enemy ship is cloaked, you can follow their tachyon trail and shoot at them. I thought I I always thought that was uh, they were making reference to the aliens' clothing. Like, look how tacky on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, see, God, I'm glad I'm not from that planet. Wear that suit. <laughs> see, the thing is, is that you know the the difference between here's the difference between Star Trek fans and Star Wars fans. Trekkies talk about tachyons and. And, and particle physics and, and stuff like that. Well, Star Wars fan talks about things like, you know, girls and how to unstrap a bra. And <laughs> and they, Princess and, Leia's and, braids. Oh, I like that. And they only, they only need to get a life of some type. <laughs> anyway, um, you have anything else, Jim, or are you, are you good? Um, I think I'll stop there because okay. it sounds like uh, your JFK nazi connection show is going to be rather lengthy yeah I, I think we're going to actually probably have to break it up into two parts i think it's going to broadcast be, it into it's parts. we're going to broadcast it but what i want to ask you jim here <clears throat> is that uh, do you, uh kind of keep this as short as possible but do you have any thoughts on uh the cia and the occult um yeah i think that uh how do I say this? I mean, I believe that the, there's black magic and devil worship that threads through the military and the yeah. governmental system. I think it's been there a long time. I think it's so outlandish that the general public would really blow any mention of it off as just being too out, outlandish and bizarre. But I do think, based on some things I've read, uh, that you know, there's a connection to a Lester yeah. Crowley and his church in the military, certain individuals, and had, and that they have black masses, and there's you know, uh, child sexual abuse and sacrifice. It's all it's there, but it's so underground that most people just would discount it. But yeah, I do believe that there's a connection there, absolutely. And, and I remember, you, I ahead, remember John. you sent me an article years and years ago. Um, actually, I think I still have it. Um, it was from Jack, was it Jack Anderson, the columnist? Yeah. Um, and he was doing an expose on uh, satanic um, rites performed in the in the military. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and part of that whole thing is is some kind of a power uh, developing mm -hmm. power through the through the black arts. That's mm -hmm. that's what it's really about, I think, and getting sort of a you know, juice from that. And all of this kind. and all of this can fall under the umbrella of Operation MK Ultra or just MK Ultra, whereas it's like in doing the research. Or if you're an insider, one, just Ultra. Yeah, because with all with all of this going on, the thing is, is that with mind control and how that they've been trying to use subliminal messages through the TV and radio and uh, 
people who are just like go under an underpass, you know, you know, under under strange lights and stuff like that, and then they they experience things that we had just mentioned, like missing time and whatnot. I think that yeah. there's there's really something to that. And also, you you look at you look at the Dulles brothers and their association with the Skull and Bones Society in Yale. You look at all of were that. they in that? Yeah, apparently, yeah, they, they were. were. Okay, yes. well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that going. A lot on. of those, a lot of those boys um, have been in that. The you know, guys that we've talked about. You know, if you um, want, if you want to, uh, if you want to link this, supposedly. Uh, I mean, there's no way to prove this, but a lot of things I read said that back in Atlantis, they they were practicing the black arts and, you know, mixed that with their technology. And that's what ultimately it was a power play. And that's what ultimately brought them down. Well, there were know? two there were apparently there were two factions. There were yeah. there were a faction that was more um, of the light. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were called the one, I think. Yes. And then there was a dark uh, a kind of a cult of of priests that were you know using the dark arts to to, right. to take take over yeah. you know and and that's that's was really the uh, schism that brought Atlanta yeah. brought Atlanta so it's down. almost like they're back again when making and making the same mistakes all over again well i don't think they ever left i no. think, I think right. it's just always been played out from from there right on up in just in different ways right on up into the current mm-hmm. present time speaking of that um, I just saw on the news this morning that, that Henry Kissinger was seen walking into Trump Tower today. Oh, um, I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked to read that. And, and you know, we've talked, we talked about him in, in the previous segment that he, I, I personally think he is, he was born in Germany, so yeah. he, he's, the, he's the public face of the Fourth, fourth Reich, I believe. He's oh, been yeah. in a lot of, he's been, uh, he was in the Nixon administration, right? He was the Secretary oh, yeah. of State. Oh, he was huge. Yeah, in the and as we'll get into today, Nixon was, was, yeah, really an integral player in the whole right in this whole process, much more so than I think people even give him credit for. I, if I can find it, I'll bring it back into the show. But supposedly, as a young man, he was involved in the uh, uh, that whole thing with the war crimes trials for the uh, Nazi criminals uh, as really? a, as a young. Wow, he must have been really young. Young yeah. army officer. He was in Germany. So, this was in he, Germany. His, yeah, his start uh, goes way back, and I'm not surprised he's, he's still there doing stuff. This is one of the great things about the internet is that if you just look up figures like Henry Kissinger, you will go down the rabbit hole really fast. Oh yeah, and well, you will find things that he's he's involved in in many of these nefarious dealings I I'm gonna, I'm, and the thing is is that how is this guy not in prison <laughs> well, well there's a lot of guys that should be in prison that aren't you know i mean um, you know i was i was i was mentioning that the dinner that they had right after the last debate the, the day after that was sponsored by one of the cardinals sure in yes. new york i yes. think and it was supposed to be trump and hillary you know sort of making light of each other you know and it was kind of a like a roast sort of but um well I'm watching this thing, and, and I'm you know there's a group of people sitting around them at, yeah. at various le- layers levels, and who's sitting there but Henry Kissinger? And oh I'm yeah. I'm thinking to myself, how the hell did he get in there? You know, well there you go. Just it's you know it's just right out there. It's just you have to notice it. Yeah. You know? It's it's all sort of this did, is this is you, this is what we're doing. You're just not you know you're just not noticing it. You know you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Yeah. I did you guys get the article I sent you on the 
by written by May Brussel. It was published in Larry Flint's defunct uh, magazine, The Rebel. It's called the Nazi Connection to the John F. Kennedy assassination. I sent I, it to both of you. Yeah, I saw it. We're going to be talking about that. Yeah. That's one of the okay. things. That we're, we're going to go right up to the very edge. That had to, that had to do with um, Reinhard Galen. That was the was Hitler's um, main head of Hitler's espionage yeah. unit, yes. whatever that was called. Right. I don't remember. And then what happened to good old Reinhardt? Anyway, well, he he got himself a sweetheart deal after the war. He, but you damn right he, he did. He got to he got to be the uh, main uh, espionage person for West Germany, which yeah. in essence was a was a, an arm of the United States. Right, the United States put that. Sort of, it was a counterpoint to, and, to and, East Germany, which was, you know, the Soviet Union. So that was really the pivotal area right there. Yeah. Uh, between Soviet and U.S. interests, you know, West, yeah. West Germany after the war. I mean, West Germany has since become one unified country, and I, you know, I hate head to of the say European it, but Union. But. The, the infiltration of uh, of ex Nazis into. Uh, America, it's, it's so complicated, it's almost impossible to talk about. The web is so, it's so minute and so vast. It's really, it really, really complicated. Here's the thing that I think a lot of people need to know, is that if you're not paying attention, and you're not following all, all the, the strings that make up this web, you're going to get lost and confused really quickly, and you're going to think that some of us are totally, absolutely nuts because we make these connections that otherwise would not make the connections. They're metaphysical connections. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's correct. It's, it's yeah. a shell game. You know, it's like keep your eye on the P. Well, you can't keep your eye on the P because it, it keeps moving. Right. You know? And that's the whole intention. And they're telling you to keep the eye on the P, but the thing is, is that there's more than one P to well, keep yeah. your eye on. Yeah, and, and there's probably a hole in the table that the P drops into, you know. I oh, mean, absolutely. Something like that. But, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a sleight of hand, you know, it's, it's, it's the way it is. It's it is. Just, it's just the way it goes. And, it is. And, you know, when you control almost every arena, then it makes it pretty easy to, to manipulate information and to make things appear one way when they're really yeah. something else. But that's the way that's the way it's been set up, and it's the way it's been for probably eons, I think, in some shape or form. Yeah. So, so where, where do we want to get into it today? I think that I think Eric's one of Eric's main areas that he wants to talk about today is the Dulles brothers, more specifically Alan Dulles, who I think was pulling the strings on just about everything um, in some shape or form. You want to give us a little history on on those boys, Eric, or um, just to kind of set the table for that? Well, the thing is, is that they're <clears throat> starting with the Dulles brothers. Let's let's just go back to their maternal grandfather, Robert Lansling. And the thing is, is that he he was the former. Uh, I think that he was also the one of the original secretaries of defense or secretaries of state. And the thing is, under is that, under who? Do, do you know Woodrow Wilson? Wow, okay. And you, and okay. it's like if you look at Woodrow Wilson, he was the one of the, the the guys who originally came up with the the entire notion of a, a of a new world order and a one world order, as it were, with a League of Nations. He was actually the governor of New Jersey at one point, and he was also okay. and he was also a college professor. And yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was right in with these boys. Huh? And one of his favorite students at the time, when he was a, a college professor, was. Alan Dulles. And so this was at Yale? 
I think it was at it was at the college. I can't remember where where it was. Well, if he was in the skull and bones, if Dulles was in the skull he and was, bones, it would have been. He, I think he got one of his degrees at Yale. I'm okay. not sure if it was, but I think it was like the American Institute University okay. or something that like that. Where he, he, was he was an intelligence officer during the war too. That's how he started connecting with uh, allowing Nazis to infiltrate the CIA, which he later and he later ended up. Yeah, and Jim, Jim's kind of jumping ahead. So the thing is, is that under Robert, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. So the thing is, under Robert Lansling, he um, the, the grandfather sort of introduced them to the, the global elite, as it were, and he was responsible for taking the kids to Washington D.C., showing them how the sausage was made, and he was responsible for taking the boys to Europe and taking tours all over Europe and and having dinner and lunch with many of the uh, many of the big, huge figures that would play for uh, later on in global politics especially before uh, world war one and world war two so that's how they got their teeth filed down. that's how they got the, that's mm. that's where they cut their teeth yeah. that's how they and then that's how they made all the introductions mm-hmm. and the thing is, all the connections and mm. then then Makes of course sense. you look at john foster dulles he became uh, one of the one of the partners before he. I think he, I think it was before he turned 30 he became um, a partner at the one of the youngest partners to join the Sullivan and Cromwell New York City law firm. A law firm that represented Brown Brothers Harriman. Brown Brothers Harriman. And the thing is, is that he was involved with the, the Treaty of Versailles, what became the Treaty of Versailles. And one of the things that they had, and you had talked about this at length in the previous episode. Right, right. That was where the, the whole thing with, um, the fascist setup for Europe started exactly right, that, right there, if not sooner. Um, but that's that's they brokered that whole yeah. deal, but both of those boys because because sent over there. World War One was really the end of the the feudal system with the with the kings and the queens. Yeah, and the sort Archdukes. of in some and sense. I guess it was final. Was it was yeah. like the final last gasp. That, that, that system, which was really the same system. Yeah, it morphed into to what into, we have today. Right. That, that was the point where it really. Turned over. So we have John Foster Dulles, thanks to his grandfather, who had all these inroads to all of the heads of state and, and uh, leaders of industry and, and corporations in Europe. He was really sort of responsible for uh, like the lead up to the Great Depression and helping people funnel their money out of the country and into safe investments in Germany that was working really hard to pay off all these reparations while at the same time uh, build eventually what was what was known as the greatest war machine at the time, which also made them behold him to the uh, to the financial elite. Yes, who set that whole equation up. So they they were sort of at their mercy in some sense. And under John Foster <clears throat> Dulles, you here's a character who is responsible for. Um, the banking system of New York really sort of taking a global lead and taking leadership away from London because London was known as like the World Bank. Well, it still is. The it's world the, it was the World Bank for the for this financial power structure. Right. That's that's the that's the seed of it. But but the 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 power of the of the 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 power elite the was moved from London to New York under John Foster Dulles. Oh, okay. That's from what I, from all of the reading. I, I think it's still this. sort of a co. I mean, sort I think of that's like, still got 
it London is. still has, you know, has a lot of power yeah. in that sense. And Hong not, Kong, not the and, government. And there. Hong Kong is starting to take the lead in that as well. Yeah, that could be. It, it could. It yeah. could be. Yeah. So, um, so you you look at this now. Here's here's a guy who, John under John Foster Dulles, who became the the, the Secretary of State, um, under Eisenhower, and then Truman, or I'm sorry, Truman and 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 uh, and Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that there was a lot of there had been a lot many conflicts of interest going on at the time because the thing is, is that it, it's what we're is what we're witnessing now under Donald Trump. Yeah, there's there's more there was more conflicts of interest than a than a Trump family dinner. Exactly, because mm-hmm. the thing is, is that you had John Foster Dulles and all of his all of his banking buddies, and he was able to negotiate deals behind the scene in Washington that benefited his friends back in New York who were working with all these banks. And the thing is, is that people were asking John Foster Dulles, who was working in Washington, where's a safe place for me to put my money in the global markets? And there was this, well, there's this little country, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Germany. And, <laughs> and they, interestingly, they control the global market. Exactly. So, you know, it's kind of kind of, kind of a fixed deal, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a, exactly. You know, the fix is in. So, and, and we're going to, just for the time being, we're going to just ignore uh, the Bushes because we talked about them a lot in the last episode. Yeah, Jim, are you flipping papers again? Jim? No, listen. No, it's, there's some kind of noise coming through. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Are you smacking no. your lips or? Sounds no, like no. I've got my arms in the desk. So I'll oh, okay. okay. So we're looking. So we're looking at. I mean, John Foster Dulles, who essentially was responsible for the financial aspects of the fascists being able to be financed to start to take over all of Europe. And, and and the United States and the United States. Yeah, that's at the when same fascism time. really started in the United States. And the thing is, is that it's like if you look at uh, with everything going on with John Fo- John Foster Dulles, mm. the thing is, is that the interests of fascist Germany, fascist Spain, England, France, Belgium, all of those countries, and the interests of the United States, industry and business and banking, were all sort of becoming intertwined. Right, which is really the definition of fascism. There's really a seamless interface between the two. They were really one, all one and the same because one thing fed the other. Yeah. You know, the, having control over the state allows you to do certain things financially. Right. And vice versa. So, so there you go. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one big ball of um, corruption, I think, is, is what you might, you know, there's, there's no real way to separate the two things at that point. And you that's know, what one thing feeds the other. One beast feeds the other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's a multi, it's one beast with many heads and many mouths, and they're all feeding each other. Right. And you have the entire issue with Japan. Japan is seeing what's going on, and Japan wants to be a global power. And they were, they were fighting with the rest of the world, including China and the United States, for more control over oil. And... What we were trying to do here in the United States was we were trying to bleed Japan dry, keep them, keep them a, a, essentially a colony, keep them, keep them on that little island, keep them on that little island, and we were, and, and we were denying them resources such as uh, oil. We were giving them a ton of scrap metal, 
which they sent back in the form of bombs in Pearl Harbor. Right. right. But the thing is, is that we were we were trying to um, bleed them dry by denying them oil. So one of the things that I'm going to do is, is that we're going to have to take a quick break. And um, Walt and I are going to fuel up on uh, uh, coffee, tea, and, and, and maybe some, some hard cider. And then I'm going to get into uh, the background of Alan Dulles. And what was Alan Dulles doing around the time of World War One and leading up to World War Two? And I think this is, this is a very interesting story. So before we, before we take a break, I want to... I want to roll this into um, a little tribute that 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 Eric and I talked about um, the, the passing of Leonard Cohen. Yeah, let's talk about Leonard Cohen who, for a second. Who was uh, um, to me one of the preeminent singer songwriter poets of the, of the 20th century. Uh, for the for the listeners who aren't familiar with him, um, you should become familiar with him because his lyrics are are one of you know up right up there with Bob Dylan and, and the great. The great lyricists of our exactly, yeah. of the twentieth century, um, and even maybe prior to that, I don't know. But but he he didn't receive as much attention, I don't think, as he deserved because no, his no. his music was somewhat um, edgy and it wasn't like something you would tap your foot to. You know, it wasn't Very something you that you would hear on the you know on the AM radio. But <clears throat> he did have one song, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, which was which was probably his biggest or most famous song, I guess you would say. It's been covered by by umpteen people, including as I came, as I got the knowledge um, when Eric and I were talking about this show, uh, it was covered by Eric Fisk at some point. Yes. <laughs> um, so I was wondering um, what what circumstances did you did you act, you actually sang that song, Eric? We actually sang what, that what song. How old were you? It was. Uh, I think it was in college. I think it was oh, back college. in college. Oh, I thought it was like grammar school or something, or maybe middle school. I was thinking. Maybe. Well, I have to tell you, I had this image <laughs> when 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 Eric and I were talking about this, and he mentioned that he had he had sung "Hallelujah" in public at some point in time. <laughs> You're not going to do this to me. <laughs> oh, I, I certainly am. <laughs> so, um, so I, here's here's the image I I got. Now it may be. It may be false. It may not be false. I don't know. So, so I'm picturing Eric in junior high, maybe at, at the graduation or something. You know, yeah. Um, with high water pants, <laughs> white socks, and black loafers, and and of course sporting his signature fedora. <laughs> yeah. Stepping stepping out from the shadows, in in a, in a true Napoleon Dynamite moment, and belting out a chorus of Hallelujah. So it, it, I don't I don't know how close that image image is to, to actuality, but in my mind, you know, it, it's 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 it, it was a it was a joyful moment in in my imagination. I'll have to say, you had that's to. a nice image, Walt. And uh, j- just another piece of trivia: uh, it was Hitler's favorite in Argentina. He used to play it on the soft xylophone. <laughs> really? Wow. He must have, he must have had a time slip because it was written after he was after he was dead. But uh, it was know, a time it was a time slip. It was a time okay. Slip. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, so so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to give Eric a chance to to relive his his glory days. I, I, um, I do have to say one thing. I have to clear this up with this image. Okay, everything. <laughs> Come on, don't spoil it now, Eric. Everything this, you said. It was a beautiful setup. <laughs> everything you said is absolutely, totally perfect, spot on. 
but the lopers were brown. Okay, all right. Okay, so I, so I didn't get all the details. <laughs> were they penny loafers? I, I probably were. I don't know. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to recite what would be my favorite line from, from the song Alleluia. And um, I'm going to give Eric a chance to, to finish it off using his beautiful, deep tenor voice. I'd have to see the words, though. Well, it's it's pretty simple, Eric. Yeah, it's the the chorus is just hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're jumping the gun here, my friend. Okay, so are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so so my favorite lyric is um, we we know that there's God above, but all I've ever learned from love is how to shoot some is how to shoot someone who outdrew you. And then Eric comes in with, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Okay, Eric, that's enough. <laughs> stop now. Hey, you can, you can stop it. now, Eric. <laughs> you can hear the dogs in the background going, Oh, so, so, so Eric, after Eric did his solo, and and the and the show was over. This is the this is the last part of the image, is that he came down off the stage and he was mobbed by by all the all the girls who, and all the girls who rejected his attentions previous to this, and they were fawning over him, fawning over him. So so there you there you have it. There you That's have it. Wonderful. You Very like, good, do, Walt. You like that? Love I, th I yeah, thought I thought everybody would enjoy that, that at, er at Eric's expense. And Eric's a good Eric's a, Eric's a good sport. So. But but well, the fact is, it wasn't the girls. <laughs> Although it, he's, it, it was their it was their mothers and, and grandmothers and older sisters. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so they they were. I'm going to go feed the cats, and I'll catch you on the next show. Uh, are you you're going to join us for the next segment, Jim, or not? No, because uh, it'll run. I might as well leave a little earlier for my appointment. Okay. Well, I thought we could. You, I thought you could give us some some JFK info, but um, just so just to just to round that whole whole segment off, um, we we want to we want to have some bumper music, uh, and and the song I want to use is a song that is really apropos for um, what we're talking about today, and it's called Everybody Knows. Yeah. Do, do you know that song here? There's, I don't think you've probably ever sung that one in public. There are uh, there are a couple. I think that there are a couple of uh, songs with that title. I'm not sure if I know mm, the not not Leonard Cohen songs. Oh no no no, no no no. This this no. is this is one of his signature songs. I think because yeah. it has a it has a real political bent to it. Yeah. Which um, one of the one of the lines goes. Um, and if you can if if you can pull it off, I'd, I'd like to have you use the live version. Sure. There's a, there's sure. a live double album that Leonard. Cohen did. Um, sure, he just died like about a week ago. Yeah, he was eighty-two and he he fell, yeah. got out of bed and fell and, and I guess hit him hit, hit his head or something. But yeah. anyway, it was a real loss to the world. Yeah, but um, he he recorded this this album live in London. Yeah, um, and and the the version of this song, everybody knows, is is a real showstopper. Yeah, um, and the the one chorus that of that 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 he really he recites before he actually starts singing is um, everybody knows that the deal is rotten. Yeah, old Black Joe still picking cotton for your ribbons and your bows. Yeah, top that one. 
Yeah. But that doesn't say at all. And the whole song is like that. He he, he really gets into to what would be, you know, the 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 preemption of of what is coming. Yeah. You know, what what may be coming, hopefully not. He he was sort of uh, apocalyptic in his yeah. in his viewpoint. The the review one of the reviewers said that um, his lyrics were were biblical and and primal at the same time. Exactly. Uh, which is a really interesting he combination. He was really tapped into he, something. He was. He was. He and really, and, and, was and the reason why I'm bringing this forward is because he he really had some metaphysical connection to the, He had something to going something, on. You know, he was tapping into some other kind of he had universal energy or something. Yeah. And bringing that to the, to the human race. Yeah. Um, which I think is why he was so important. And his voice was, was gro- grovelly and... Yeah. But it was a perfect vehicle for what he was trying to get across. He had some great, great yeah. lyrics that he... Um, you know, I, I would recommend anybody that's not familiar with his work to go out and get this this uh, CD. It's called Leonard Cohen Live in London. Yeah, we're going to play check, some clips it of out. it. Yeah. We're going to play some yeah. clips of it. So, okay, we'll, we'll end that. End with that. And thanks for being a good sport, Eric. I was, Thank you very much. I was much. teasing you about Thank you. But you're, you're, <clears throat> you're always open to it. You know, we have fun here. So. Uh, exactly. I, you know what? I will do and, anything for And you're, for you're open to, to get me in the same way. So. Oh, abs- yeah. oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, Jim... Thank you so yes. much for joining us again this week. Um, Thanks for inviting me. And what I'd like you to do is um, hang on to your JFK stuff because um, we're not going to do an entire show on, on the JFK assassination, but we are going to talk about the life and times of JFK um, by uh, before the end of the month. Okay. So, all right. So, hang so on. So, we're going to do nice. another show? Hang on yeah. to that, yes. Okay. Hang on to that, Jim. We'll talk to you later, okay? All right. Good Thanks, luck Jim. for the rest of the show, guys. Thanks, Say- Bob. Say hi to Jim for me. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going back to the Void Desert to meet with him now. Cool. <laughs> Take care. Take it easy, Jim. So anyway, um, getting back to the whole thing about Dulles here, and I wanted to talk about this. Before we get started. Okay. Um, since you brought up Thanksgiving and, and sure. the JFK thing, I, I have, and, and it's it's really, this is really apropos, and I, I mentioned this to you when I arrived because you, you've totally yeah. rearranged the, the studio here. Yeah, um, to make it more <clears> of a sound studio and not just my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it does kind of have a different feel to it. Yeah. Um, I think the acoustics are better too. I don't oh, know sure quite, quite how that is, but um, so with that in mind, um, I, I do have a Thanksgiving slash JFK anniversary gift for you, Eric. Are you kidding? I wish no. I had known. I would have gotten you something. No, no, too. no, 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 no. This is this is totally impromptu, totally um, unsolicited. Wow! Uh, but but it does feel right because you've redecorated this this whole Thank space you, so yes. so i think this will be an integral part of that's it. great so i'm gonna i'm gonna give this to you and i want to get and you don't know anything about this i have this no is, this all, is totally impromptu all, all, walt brought in a bag and uh, and, and, uh, and in that bag a plastic is, bag inside is something that i hope eric will cherish um long after our relationship has ended for whatever are reason. you kidding me 
Oh my God! I saw it through the plastic bag and I saw this and I'm like, Oh my God! It's, it's, it's the original Life cover, Life magazine cover of Lee Harvey Oswald posing with his man liquor uh, carcano and, oh and, his, and his sidearm. Oh my God, Carol! <laughs> no, don't, don't, just don't, don't get, show her later, Eric. Oh don't, my, don't disturb her. You have no idea how awesome this is. It should look nice on the wall, I think. But the but the best part is there. There's a note, an inscription, from from. Uh, come on, come in the from inside. the man from the man himself, and, and look at what Walt got for the office. It's awesome. That's an original cover. I I bought that years and years ago in, a, in an antique shop, and I just didn't know what to do with it until mm -hmm. I realized that. Eric would be the perfect recipient of that, given the topic of our show. Oh my today. God! Thank you so much. That is awesome. But, it, the, but the best part is there, there's there's it's actually the a um, it's the letter. There's actually Lee. a note from to Eric, and that, this arrived by courier. Yeah. Um, and and the courier had a um, had a fire fireproof suit on. I bet he did. And and when you why don't you read that, Eric? It's it's a simple note, but it's but it's poignant. I it's think. a handwritten note from Lee himself. It says, Eric. I'm a patsy, Lee. I was gonna. It was gonna. It should have been lovely, I guess. But want to get. We don't get too personal. I'm telling you, this is. I'm gonna. I, I'm telling you. I'm trying to figure out. Like, I want to put this in. Oh my God, this is awesome. You Thank know. You, you so know. Much. The funny thing about that is, well, it's not funny, but poignant, I guess, is a better word. Is is he said that that picture was was not him? No. Yeah. That they they yeah. put his head on a, um, another body. Yeah. Uh, and also, there was supposed to be a body double for for him Absolutely. that was involved in the whole cover up thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of an interesting little sideline about <clears throat> Mr. Oswald. That is phenomenal. Who had, who had his own personal history which which is kind of interesting and i think i think that i think that yeah absolutely so the thing is is that um where where did we leave off and where should we go from here walt well i think we kind of left off with the fourth reich sort of beginning its rise yeah out of the ashes of the of the world war, of world war ii the, the, well the thing is the fires weren't even uh, hadn't even stopped burning no no and well it it, it started Early, you know, the, the 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 Nazis had a sense of of the direction that things were going in, and they they made, made they made plans for after the war. That you know, they saw what they saw that Hitler was um, losing it psychologically. I think, and so that was kind of the beginning of the end. And then um, they sort of started padding their nest for the next phase, yeah, which was, you know, post-war and then into the 50s and then leading up to, to the Kennedy exactly. assassination, which they were, I think, entrenched in all of those areas. So let's <clears throat> let's pick up at the at, at almost near the end of World War Two for Germany, whereas it's pretty clear that the end, the end draws nigh for, right. for, for Nazi Germany. Right. So you had the Soviet Union. Um, <laughs> coming in from one side and, and yeah. you had the western allies coming in from another angle and they kind of merged in berlin i think yeah and you know what this reminds <clears throat> me of it reminds me of that scene in the original star wars where our, our, all of our favorite main characters in the trash compactor 
And the thing is, is that you have one wall coming in and the other wall coming mm-hmm. in about ready to crush Luke Skywalker, right. Han Solo, mm-hmm. Chewie, Leia, Han. You know, you, you could just see Adolf, you know, in his uniform saying, shut off all the trash compactors. <laughs> yeah, in the bunker. Uh, so, there's, you know, there's always been speculation that Hitler actually got out and, and escaped to South America. That's never been really. Yeah. Proven or, or disproven or disproven, really, truthfully, either way. So, and and speaking of body body doubles, there's there's conjecture that the person who that was who was in the bunker that appeared to have was, committed suicide yeah. that appeared to be Hitler was actually a body double. Exactly. Um, no real real evidence one way or the other on that. So it's I mean there there's a lot of people who think they your speculation, stuff, but it's, and, it's really kind of still. Oh, and on top of that, at the end of World War Two, at the end of the the fall of Berlin, you had four or five different people claiming they found the dead body mm. of Adolf Hitler. The Russians being one group that yeah. supposedly took the remains back to Russia, and yeah, there was an autopsy done and stuff, but it was never anything right. that you could actually believe. You know, I want to. I don't think anyway. I, so. I want to because go to go to the go to our homepage. Go mm-hmm. to metaphysicalpodcast.com and that's our index page. And somewhere on that page, we have two indexes. We have the quick and dirty index on the on the left hand side, and then you have on the on, I'm sorry on the right hand side, you have the quick and dirty index. Just look for the 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 the, the podcast. The Devil and the De- Dulles Brothers, the name of this podcast. And and we have a list, a more concise list and a, a longer explanation. Because the thing is, if I were going to read all these off to you and what they meant, it, it would it would take, we would be at this until like three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And there's also a book that I ran across that, that the guy wrote about Dulles. Yeah. Um, it's called The Devil's Chessboard. That, yes. Is that that's, the, did you see that? Yeah. That's, so that that's, looks pretty, I have not read that, but it looks really good. There's actually an interview with him. Yeah. There's a lady interviews him on that so website gonna, or whatever it is. So I'm going to read this off <clears> to you. So it's here. interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to read this off to well, you. Well, before you get into that too much, let's just set the table for what germany looked like after the war you know it was it was pretty much decimated and and it was it wait, like, waiting to be carved up by the it, it looked like the, the allies of the and moon. The, the allies and the uh, and the russians and and that again this is this set the stage for the cold war which was the new dialectic that was set up you know one side against the other which, it looked which like we it. see over and over and over and over again yeah all the major cities mm-hmm. of germany looked like the surface of the moon yeah you know, they, they pretty much decimated pretty it. Pretty much. Um, however, what came out of that, the phoenix that rose out of that, those ashes, was the Fourth Reich, I think. And and those, you know, those all of those SS guys that had that sense of, you know, things were things were going bad. Yep. They, they got out while the getting was good, and they took their money with them. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, and that money became the financial structure for what I think is now called, being called the, the New World Order. Exactly. So here, here we have, I'm going to read this off to you, mm-hmm. and we're not going to get too much detail, like I said. So you have Operation Sunrise, March 1945. And that was when a lot of the Nazis came forward and they said, hey, <laughs> we it's need, a brand new day. We're looking for a brand new gig for <laughs> after. Right. Um, we exchanged our Nazi uniforms for three-piece suits. Right. And then the very beginning of Operation Paperclip, which was formerly known as Operation Overcast. 
There's a now there's a reason why they went from Operation Overcast to Operation Paperclip. Do you know why, Walt? Uh, it sounded better. It was less nefarious sounding. Or, no, I, don't, I don't know. Yes or no? Do you know? I, I no, I don't. I'm, Nobody I'm knows. I'm guessing. Nobody I'm knows guessing. except for there's a reason why some people speculate that Operation Overcast was another above top secret eyes only program that was a that was the umbrella under which all the other operations that came after where after it came came from all the other operations that i talk about here apparently is all under operation overcast okay okay well, that makes sense well overcast get, exactly kind of, kind of makes sense so the thing is is that we had operation paperclip where everybody knows this is the program in which um, we conspired with the with uh, with Germany, and we used the immigration system, as it were, to bring Nazis to the United States. And, and who orchestrated that, Eric? Uh, well, I'm going to get to oh, that. Okay, okay, I'm going to okay, get to that. Okay. So, so in the beginning, we had Operation Sunrise, Operation Paperclip. Operation Rusty. Do you know what Operation Rusty was? No idea. This is where, um, what's his name? Um, Reinhard Guerin. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that we were talking about in the earlier. Galen. Galen. Reinhard Galen. Reinhard Galen. He mm -hmm. was the guy who was Adolf Hitler's top intelligence officer who was responsible exactly. for yeah. everything was yeah. going on in Western, or I'm sorry, Eastern Europe. And he became yeah. the, the CIA director of operations and intelligence for everything that was happening in Western well, Europe. What was so, now West Germany, so he went, became West Germany. So he went from being the, the uh, from working for the Nazis right into the CIA. Got a, got a sweetheart deal. Got a sweetheart deal. Okay, and and it makes sense because he had all that. He was privy to, privy to all that information. He had all these operatives that were still probably in place, you know, implanted in the in the Soviet Union. Operation Splinter Factor from 1948 to 1956. That was a system of disinformation. People trying to scare the crap out of Stalin and and people who follow Stalin. No easy task there. No easy task because the thing is Stalin was already paranoid. <laughs> so yeah, and and probably didn't scare easily. I wouldn't think. Here's one that I love to talk about, and this is going to be a future show. Operation MK Ultra, which was. We took all of these Nazi scientists who were experimenting in mind control. I'm not talking mind control like you see in like Mars attacks or anything like that. We're talking about enhanced torture techniques, mm -hmm. how to extract information mm -hmm. from people, how to read their minds, as it were, and how to control them like puppets. How can we use the media to get Americans to go along with whatever program that we have going on? Was was there some kind of psychic connection to that? Um, sort of is that where that? That's the, exactly the, the where whole, it came uh, from. Uh, remote viewing and that and that. Kind That's of thing. exactly like yeah. the, it, like as demonstrated in the movie, the men who stare at goats. Right, right. A lot right. of that. That's right. a it's a comedic. Well, I didn't haven't seen at, that. What time frame was that in? Is that in the sixties? Fifties and sixties. That's what I thought. Yeah. So okay. in all of these operations, mm -hmm. one right after the other, who was in charge of all of these? I'm 
thinking it might have been your friend um, Alan Dulles. That's right. Is that, is that, I was is a little, ding, 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 ding. ding. I, we got to get a bell. We got to yeah, get a bell. Yeah. We got a cowbell, but we yeah. don't have like one of those banks. So the thing is, is that, and I want to make this point absolutely, totally clear. And I get goosebumps thinking about this, but not the goosebumps of like, oh my God, Carol's wearing the Princess Leia slave metal bikini outfit again. I'm talking about the that's goosebumps. Kind, yeah. That's we're, I'm talking about like this guy is indwelt with some kind of evil forces, the devil or something. Because this guy, Alan Dulles, who was in OSS at the time before he took over uh, the CIA. He was there in Europe out to protect his buddies that he originally met during the, the grand tour of Europe that he took with his grandfather earlier on in the 20th century leading up to World War II. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he was one of the main um, setup guys. For, for World War II. He, he set the whole thing. Him and his in, brother. He Him set the whole brother. thing in motion. Well, yeah, probably both of them. But I think he was, he at some point over overstepped his, even his brother's um, yeah. level of influence. And and he, he really brokered the deal that Har, Har, Brown Brothers Harriman made to, yeah. to finance the Nazi war machine. And, and that was their... You know, all those guys were were in that group in in Brown Brothers Harriman, the Bushes, the Rockefellers, all, all those big money guys were, yeah. were all in that group. So, and he brokered that deal. He's he was the point man for that. Yeah. So he, I mean, I think the case could be made that he was really the progenitor of World War Two. Absolutely. All of, the, all of that mass destruction and lives lost and and all of that stuff was was a result of of that group trying to. Um, Nazify or fascify is that a, I, I it's a word a now it's a word fascify now fascify Europe or, yeah or have, have fascist fascist government control pretty much all of Europe I think with the exclusion of England maybe I don't think they yeah. counted on that but Hitler sort of danced danced a little faster than they wanted him to so, yeah, so exactly. they had to sort of take him you know take him down but they really had an intention of, of having Europe be a fascist empire one big fascist empire that they sort of had control but of. But not all of Europe, though. Not <clears throat> just Europe. Well, that was their initial right. um, thoughts. Yeah, they that, probably had larger thoughts than that. That was so, the first I mean, stage. That, uh, that was really the first stage of the New World Order. Yeah. I mean, Hitler used that phrase. New H- World Hitler Order. Hitler used the phrase New World Order. So, he, so he, he was on to that. He knew what was going on. And if you were paying attention during <clears throat> the Reagan and Bush years, when they start talking about a New World Order... And if you're a if if you're a student of World War II history, when George Senior was starting to talk about New World Order, you better be paying attention. It was not the new, you know, he didn't coin that phrase. That was that was, I think Hitler might have been the first one to say it. You could maybe much, not. Maybe it goes yeah. further than that. But that's what that, that was, was. That's what it was leading to. So then, then you had the plan went a little awry. Then you had. So now we have all of these programs or projects mm-hmm. in the CIA. And then we have this guy who really identified with Nazi Germany, Alan Dulles. Mm-hmm. He really identified with the notion of bringing order to the world through the military and industry. Now, you know what the manifest destiny is? Yeah, it's what it the the notion that well, it was applied in in uh, in American um, 
pro, you know the way the way that they sort of took over the West. Exactly. That it was that it, that it was the the right of the culture to to take over that land because it was they deserved it or right that that kind of thing. Well, I mean, the thing is, which is, is why all the Native Americans were pushed off of their land and killed and everything like that. That was the, that was and that 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 didn't just apply to North America. I think it was all over the world. Under Alan Dulles and a lot of the people, uh, Alan Dulles especially and John Foster Dulles, they had the notion that they were going to take the concept of manifest destiny that was used towards the western part of the United States and apply that to other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't seem well, to that's where the imperial imperialism started to. This really. is where America really started to step in it really badly because the thing is is that this is when we were starting to try to and i use air quotes when i say this introduce democracy or impose democracy on troubled nations a lot of up-and-coming nations in africa that were that were trying to get a foothold we were stepping in there and we were sending in troops and forces. Well, that was the guise that was used. That's, that's what they always sure. say. We're going to bring to mind. Well, we don't even have democracy ourselves, so we're going to like bring that to other people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that's, that, was the, that was the tagline that they sure, used. You know, sure. What they were really doing was taking those places over and setting up a, a, a puppet yeah. administration and, and basically con- controlling the country, hence controlling the natural resources and the, oh, and, oh, yeah. and, and the marketing, whatever marketing there was for that. Exactly. And then we started to look at, uh, let's see, other countries here. I'm trying to think. Um, it was bef- there was other countries before Vietnam that we were looking at and we were saying that we were going to impose um, in, 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 impose the notion of, well, we're going to help these revolutions. We're going to get in there with uh, uh, the whole. I mean, we we could we could we could talk endlessly about the the entire Palestine Israel well, situation. All, all these places around the world where 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 a dictator has been put in place by the CIA yeah. and killed any anybody that would oppose right. him, and and he was given large amounts of money. Yeah, you know, um, to 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 make decisions that favored the United States. Yeah. That's basically that's where the banana, idea of banana republics came from and stuff like that. Yeah, but you mentioned Vietnam. Vietnam is a prime example of that. Right. That was that was a setup from from the word go. Yeah. The, the guy um, that was put in as the um, president DM as the president of of South Vietnam. Yeah. He was educated in the United States. Yeah. They, they took they lifted him up and put him in there and set up again set that dialectic of communism versus capitalism uh, you know because supposedly south vietnam was you know was a potential democracy and and north vietnam was in opposition to that so what the what the real deal was was that it was you know it was a all the drugs were going through there you know it it was a drug it's a pipeline. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the Vietnam War was really about. You know, that was a, that was it was it was a totally set up war. Yeah, and it was set up from you know before Kennedy o- even got in. Opiates that were made in <clears throat> Afghanistan and Pakistan mm-hmm. were funneled through Indochina at the time for the rest of the Western world, including the United States. Mm-hmm. And and there's there's just a string of things that had happened. Under the tutelage of John Foster and Alan Dulles, yeah. uh, the entire issue with Iran, Iran was pretty much a secular state. It was tribal. 
It was just it was a tribal but but the thing is is that it wasn't it wasn't under the control of radical Islam until we stepped into Iran mm-hmm. because Iran is well, the, the um who was who was the guy they put into Iran the um Shaw the Shaw, yeah, Shaw of Iran, Iran. So he was he was an American puppet so the thing is is that we went into Iran and we, and we stirred up that hornet's nest and of course the thing is is that we have the situation between well well we were taking care of Iran and Russia was taking care of Iraq right and then of course there the, again you have that dialectic that dialectic um, of, of course and we have many nations where this is happening so you look at that you look at the entire situation of Hawaii and what happened in Hawaii whereas is like you know Hawaii had uh, you know it ha- it had a monarchy that the, the American colonialists went in there and say, nah, we're we're, we're white, we're we're university educated, we're so white and we're right, we're white and we're right, that, and that's the American policy. If yeah. you were going to boil down manifest destiny in in the twentieth century, we're white and we're right. right. And and everybody wonders why people hate America. I can't imagine. This is it. Here it is. You know, we we took over these places that had their own thing going you know and we just marched in there and said okay we're taking over you know yeah. we, we know better than you right you know we're going to make your lives better no right. not so much well but the thing is that the Soviet <clears throat> union was doing the same thing oh yeah no it's not a, i mean it's it's no different than what's been going on throughout history exactly but it still doesn't make it right doesn't make it okay to do right. that you know whether it's got historical right uh precedent or not it's it's still imperialism it's still in, in Posing your economic yeah. viewpoint and and political viewpoint and and in some cases religious viewpoint. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, the, the the Spanish were good for that. You know, going into an area and telling people they had to be Catholic. You yeah, know, or that were whatever they'd kill them or something. You know, uh, so this is not a new it's not a new concept, yeah. but it, but it's still um, just as evil. Yeah. And it was happening all over the globe, and we had all mm-hmm. of these superpowers mm-hmm. who were coming right. in with the attitude, we're, we're white, and we're right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not. And, and you're not. And we're going to you know, make that better for you. Exactly. And by the way, we're going to be putting a McDonald's in down the road there. Exactly. Right? So and I, I use McDonald's as the... And Coca-Cola. All of those things. All, all of those, those things. Yeah, it's all... The, I mean, so that's where the, that's where the fascist... Um, Infusion started really right. heavy duty after right. World War Two. That right. you know there really was no real separation right. between government and and um, industry. And go- meanwhile, simultaneously here in the United States, what were we doing here in the United States with all these former Nazis? Well, yeah, that's a good question. What were they doing? Well. There's a great book that I think that everybody needs to get a hand on, their hands on. It's called Operation Paperclip, and I'll post this. I think I already did when I worked on the show page in preparation for the show. What happened under Operation Paperclip? Well, the thing is, is that remember the whole hoo-ha and the and the brouhaha over weapons of mass destruction that was mm-hmm. going on. We, that's the reason why we had to knock over that anthill, also known as Iraq. Yeah, well, same thing. Well, it's the same thing. So between the night, the uh, the mid to end of the nineteen forties, fifties, and early sixties, who was playing around with with all kinds of nerve gas that was imported from Nazi Germany? Sarin, you mean? Well, sarin was one of them. There's, I mm-hmm. think, there's a name because all the Aaron gases. There's Terran gas. 
sarin gas or all these other nice, other nice group of gases nice nice group of gases all these nerve gases i don't know who, was, who was doing that the cia the cia yeah, under alan dulles sense. with mm-hmm. all these former nazis all these atomic weapons programs that the nazis just could not get off the ground because they just they just did not they were, they were missing a piece Right. They were they, missing, or, or they just didn't have enough time. Maybe to, they didn't have it. They had it all the rocket programs that yeah. were, all the programs that were running full tilt in Nazi Germany. Right. All that stuff just kind of transferred over here, and some of it to to the Soviet Union, exactly. which set up again the you know the two opposing forces. So the, so the USSR versus the United States. So the Nazis were basically broken up into two groups. One group went to Soviet Russia right. and the other group went to the United States mm-hmm. out in the desert or in a suburb of New York City or or where, or wherever. Uh, disseminated all over the country probably. Wherever. Yeah. So and this is this is when we I think we should also talk about uh, presidents at the time, Harry Truman, who was o- overseeing Operation Paperclip, and he had made it absolutely, totally, perfectly clear, no Nazi war criminals will be brought into the United States and work with the United States mm-hmm. on all that of these the, programs. the Truman Directive? Or? Yeah. It was, it was mm-hmm. not the Truman Doctrine, but it was a Truman Doctrine. And the no, thing- there was a specific one that addressed that, I think. Yeah, Truman. Maybe the Truman Doctrine was that was wrapped into that. Maybe. Yeah, I believe that 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 Harry Truman wrote an executive order and sent a certified letter to Alan Dulles saying, "Listen, Bub, no Nazi war criminals will be given safe haven here in the United States. Every single last one of them." And, and Dulles um, proceeded to roll it up and light his cigar with it. I- <laughs> <laughs> Or his pipe, which whatever his preference. So un- under the program, you had a group of Nazis who were on the East Coast near New York City and near Washington, D.C. And they were funneled up through Canada and then through our own, I- what is it, INS? Uh, what's, what's the branch of the government that deals with immigration? Uh, I don't know. I th- Department, it- Department of the Interior? No. No, the immigration department, whatever, whatever it's yeah, called, whatever, whatever the long drawn out. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is that so all of the Nazis <laughs> were were sent up to Canada, to Montreal, and then came back down through mm-hmm. um, Niagara Falls, and they were given visas or given green cards through the passports that they got from the Vatican mm-hmm. when they left at the end of World War II. And all of the all of the Nazis who were in the western part of the country, they were being shipped down to Tijuana and that they went through our immigration service through Mexico in Tijuana and other neighboring towns around that. And they came right back up right underneath Truman's nose. Yeah, and and this whole thing really shaped our um, foreign and domestic policies. Yeah, you know, it was it was really the the clay that those those things were formed from. Exactly. You know, I don't know what exact roles these these people had. Oh, they were everywhere. They yeah. were everywhere. Mm-hmm. All the scientists were were mm-hmm. sent to their own special laboratories. 
They were under the, the watchful eye of the military until they were brought back into the country. They, I mean, they went, they spent, they spent the weekend in Canada or Mexico and they were brought back up. Mm-hmm. And that once they had their own green cards, once they were, they were be, becoming naturalized citizens of the United States, there was, there was no police, military police escorts. You're on your own, pal. Yeah. Zeke Heil. And, get and, into it. And Dallas was the, was the, the point man for all this is going on. Dulles was the man up. in charge. He was the boy. Yeah, he he probably was. He probably had more power than the president. Oh, absolutely. At, at, some, at many points. Now, and the, the thing is, is that there were a couple of bumps the road with uh, with Truman and then Eisenhower, who said, "Hey, listen, word's getting back to me about all this is going on." So. Who who bailed Dulles out or who blackmailed the presidents at the time and said, now nah, we're going to we're just going to go right ahead ahead with this. Who who was involved in blackmailing uh, out the presidents of the United States? Is that a rhetorical question? Or? No, I'm asking you. Uh, I don't know. We talked about it in my kitchen just a half hour ago. I don't I don't I don't know. J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, he was involved in a lot of this, too, definitely. Richard Nixon was part of the covert. Well, this is where Nixon really starts to come in. Yeah, you're right. Um, Starting- he, he played a much larger role um, in, in these kind of under... You know, he... Again, I think the presidency a lot of times is sort of a... Just a role that somebody plays, just yeah, a, figurehead. a figurehead, and and the real power is is in the is in the vice presidency, and and, and you know we may be maybe about to live that same we'll thing again. You know we don't know for sure. However, Nixon, I think, really had a lot more power than you just took out my oh I did headphones. Yeah, okay, they're back. Uh, then people really realize. Yeah, you know everybody. I mean. Eisenhower, I think, you know, he was a war hero. He had, yeah. he had all that stuff going for him. And a lot of presidents get into office because of those kind of things that their, you know, that their military career or, or whatever sort of let's led not, them to that point. Let's not forget that Eisenhower also had a severe heart problem due to his r- rough living, I guess you could call oh, it. Did he? all I the didn't... drinking and the smoking. He had a heart attack while he was in office. Oh, did he? I don't, I don't know that part of it. But... Um, the real point is that Nixon, I think, was the real power behind his presidency. Yeah. And and one of the things that he warned about, as we all know, famously, you know, he warned about the military industrial complex. And I, yeah. I think that was his valid way of saying, you know, this, you, you got to take a look and see what's going on here. Exactly. You know? um, I, I'm not sure. I think at some point Eisenhower probably realized that he he really wasn't running the show, no. you know, that he was just being maneuvered. Yeah. Um, and Nixon was the was the main guy that was maneuvering things yeah uh, because he was tied in with you know he was definitely tied in with a financial cabal that Dulles was a was the point man yeah, for no doubt. And, and the Rockefellers and, and all those people that you know were were part of that whole thing yeah no doubt so so you know Eisenhower leaves office um, I think he was kind of universally accepted as a as a pretty decent guy he was and, beloved yeah you know I, I don't think he really did too many nefarious things, although, you know, maybe you could make a case for just 
him allowing to have that. And I'm sure he had to be aware of that kind of stuff that was going on. He wasn't. You know, he was a West Point graduate, so he wasn't. But he, but he was. A, he wasn't he, an adult. But the thing is, is that he, uh, he was becoming a very weak and fragile old man. Well, maybe he was. Maybe Not he was. unlike Ronald Reagan. Yeah. At well, the end of his same exact scenario with, yeah. with George H. W. being the vice president yeah. and running, really running the show. Um, same with Cheney, Bush and Cheney. It's same. Yeah. Same scenario. Who's really. really in charge? Yeah. Who's who's. Who's really running the running the office? Who's running the show here? So, so Nixon, Eisenhower, you know, decides he's going to get out of public life, and Nixon is the next anointed one. You know, so Nixon Nixon starts thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm probably going to be the next president. Yeah, um, <laughs> and you know, I got this Kennedy kid running against me. This little boy Kennedy. Yeah, like he's nothing. You know, who the hell is he? Yeah, um, you know, I'll beat him with my with one hand tied behind my back yeah the dance the dance goes on you know exactly. we'll just keep we'll just keep rolling however things don't always go as the, the way the cabal plans exactly except that they always have a plan b right you know you know if you think one candidate is supposed to win right and doesn't right and the other one does don't don't think that candidate B is not their alternative plan. Oh, absolutely, because they are, you know. So whoever wins, it, it really you really get on this back on the same road again, right? You know, it, it's just a slight detour. Yeah, um, they've got it all. It's it's all it's all maneuvered so that um, whoever wins right. the election, they already know. Like whoever whoever was going to win the two thousand election, mm-hmm. they knew what was going to happen by the end of two thousand. Yeah, like when when you look at like when you look at Kerry and, and Bush running yeah. against each other. Well, guess what? They were both members of the Skull and Bone Society. Yeah. So, you know, you know, come on, really? You, you don't think they're going to have the same like intention? Yeah. No. I. You know, I mean, it's 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 just a different way of saying it. That's all. yeah. You know, it's the same thing. So th- so this is what happens. So Nixon says, okay. Guess what? We're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna we're gonna run the big dance. We're gonna be, right. we're gonna be. But what he didn't count on the fact was that Kennedy had some Kennedy's father. Yes, had, had some some pretty big markers. Do we want to talk about Joe Kennedy for a second? I think briefly. Yeah, I think briefly. Because you know we could do a whole show about that whole. Because the thing is, is that as we always say, but Papa Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, mm-hmm. had an, an elaborate plan set up for his kids. Well, well, even even preceding that, preceding that, you're, you're right about that. Oh, no, but preceding that, but, but the Kennedys were were one of these bloodline families uh-huh. that came over from um, from Ireland. You know, they were one of the elite families. Right. You know, this 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 was not a new a new line of thought. But let's talk about you know, mm. Ambassador Kennedy and what he was doing in England. Well, yeah, that's that's another whole thing. He was the ambassador to England, right, leading up to the war. Right. And he was trying to keep England from getting he was he was sort of um, integrated there to to try and keep England from getting into the war Joe Kennedy senior was or Joe Kennedy the first was a Nazi sympathizer he looked at yeah. how well, the Nazis were bringing well, he was right in with that order whole, he, he was right in with that whole cabal of people he you know that, that didn't that wanted Europe to be fascist yeah but didn't want England to get you know, to get into the mix. Yeah. And he had this very elaborate plan of, how, well, how do we get on board the fascism train? Mm-hmm. How is that going to happen? How right. is that going to work mm-hmm. out? And he had this entire plan where Joe Jr., 
his son, who was uh, an Army Air Force pilot who was on some clandestine missions. Mm -hmm. And then there was Jack Kennedy, who was a sickly little kid, but Mm -hmm. he was an avid reader, an avid Mm -hmm. history. He was very smart. And then there was Robert. Mm-hmm. And then there was Ted Kennedy, who was Mama's favorite. He, Ted Kennedy was a Mama's boy. Yeah, he was. He was kind of the. Um, he was kind of the black sheep, sort of the, um, you know, little yeah. little Teddy, little sort of like little, little ooh, sort of like little Marka, right? Little little Teddy little used Teddy. to cling to Mama's aprons, <laughs> and he wasn't really sort of part of the plan, as it were. Right. Not then, anyway. Not not then. Yeah. So the thing is, is that well, he was young. He was he was little. He was he was just a baby. He yeah. Was, well, he was probably you know six or seven years old when he was an ambassador. I think was, he was. Wasn't he the youngest Kennedy boy? Uh, he was. Yeah. He okay. might have been younger than that. I don't know. But anyway, it's a minor point. So so the thing is, is that um, there was a plan to get Joe Kennedy, Joe Kennedy's son, into the into the White House. So when right. Joe Jr. Died in this clandestine operation, which, th- which may have been a setup, right? Somebody who knows, right? So that moved all of his plans up. So it was going to be John Kennedy who was going to be president, Bobby Kennedy who was going to be attorney general, and Ted Kennedy was going to take over um, the senatorial seat that Jack had held on for uh, for a term or two. Right. So how did that work out for you? So about a couple of months into. Uh, Jack Kennedy's time in office. Well, what happened? Joe Kennedy passed away. So now Joe Kennedy passed away, and we don't have Joe Kennedy pulling the string, strings anymore in the White House. Well, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit. Joe Kennedy made a fortune by running whiskey. Yep. From Canada, that was that was how he made a huge amount of money. Yeah, uh, he also got into the to the movie industry, mm-hmm. and he, he was he was um, famous for being you know a Lothario of of the young yeah. actress, actresses. He he had a he had a history of um, you know marital uh, marital affairs, yeah. and and um, you know he had he had almost like two lives. He had his he had his married life with all of his Catholic. Yeah. Kid, you know his cat, big Catholic family, yeah. and then he had this private, other private life where he, you know, he was um, involved with a lot of Hollywood starlets and things like that. Yeah. You know, he had all kinds of affairs and things like that. So, he, so he was a pretty kind of, kind of seedy kind of guy. Connected. You know, he was a, he was a seedy kind of guy. But during the course of all that, he got involved with the mafia, uh huh, which which who sort of regulated that whole liquor thing during sure during prohibition they they were the ones that you know were, were really the the ones who who put checks and balances on the whole system right you know so you had to go along with them and if you didn't then there was some kind of price that was going to be paid well they never backed kennedy's liquor operation so so he got tied in with the, there were actually two phases of of mob Two, two factions, I guess yeah. you could say. There was a Western faction, which later got into the Las Vegas and that yes. kind of thing, and were involved in the movie industry. And, you know, they had that whole thing wrapped up. And then there was the Eastern faction that was, um, you know, starting with um, all the guys in Chicago. Right. Um, Capone and, and those characters. And yep. later became Sam Giancana. 
right. um, who was a big, 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 big mob kingpin. But he and Kennedy were ha- always had a sort of uh, love-hate type of relationship. You know, yeah. they, they never really um, saw eye to eye on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So um, when it came time for Jack to, to make a run for the White House, which was Joe's big big thing you know because he saw that as a, yes, as his a big all, power all part, of his, yeah. all part of the plan part of his empire you know get, getting a son in the white house was was his end game really yeah uh so he called in he he called on in sam giancana you know who 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 had a long long history of 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 drug dealings yeah you know, he 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 was actually involved after world war ii he he set up that he he had um he had mafia connections yeah. or, or Cosa Nostra connections in, yeah. in Sicily. And that's where a lot of the heroin and, and, and things came through, and which came over to, to the West mm-hmm. through there. So he was really in charge of that whole pipeline. Um, and that was, that was really right after the war. That was probably around 46, 47 when that whole thing got rolling. And that, that went right up into the, you know, the Iran-Contra affair. That's been yeah. going on for... You know, long, long time. <laughs> it's uh, still going on. Well, it's still going on. Yeah, that's 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 the underpinning of a lot of the problems yeah. we have. I mean, even here in New Hampshire, new you know, heroin's a huge problem. Here. Oh, huge. Um, but not to get off point. Um, but it's all related. So yeah, all this stuff's tied together. Uh, so so there's a long history of the CIA and the mob being in bed with each other. And the reason why I mention this is is this is the lead up to the Kennedy assassination. This is how that all got set up. So um, Nixon's game plan was was a little thrown off because he he got beat by Jack. Yeah, you know because his father pulled in in, in a lot of you know all the markers that he had. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the big things he did was he he I think not because he wanted to, but he he took LBJ onto his ticket. Now L, LBJ had a big card. He had the he had the Southern vote. Right. You know, so the Southern white vote. Which, which was a big a big ticket item. And LBJ's claim to fame was that he was the Senate Majority Leader. He was huge. I mean, he was huge. You could not. He had his fingers and everything. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind also, one of his closest friends was J. Edgar Hoover. They were, I think, they were neighbors when they were living when he was when they were living in Washington. He was, no doubt, no doubt that makes sense. And so he, <clears throat> and he was what he was. Uh, you know. They had they had a whole they had clandestine operations. Oh, he, domestically. he, was, he had his hands in, in all kinds of illegal stuff. LBJ. LBJ. I mean, this is one of your. I know you've done a lot of research on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he he was involved with prost- running prostitutes and and drugs and oh, you name it. I mean, he he was he was right right in there, man. I mean, he had a lot of nasty stuff going on. Plus, he was a nasty guy. He, yeah. You know, his one of his famous quotes was: "Some guy came to the to the White House to." argue something you know with him yeah. and and after the guy left he said to his chief of staff um he probably pisses sitting down you know that was, that was one of his famous <laughs> lines <laughs> so you know he was he was not a, he was he was not a good guy no and and jack i think took him on the ticket ticket reluctantly yeah oh yeah um only because of what he you know what what faction he brought with him he used to get in screaming matches with some of his campaign managers because Jack Kennedy did not want anything to do with LBJ because LBJ was under investigation for corruption charges. Well, and Bobby was was pursuing that when you know when yeah. when Jack made Bobby um, the Attorney General, 
he was he was going after the mob. Yeah. He was going after. I think he was going after LBJ. Yeah. yeah. Um, so LBJ got wind of this, of course, and um, was not happy about it. Uh, so as a result, he at some point decided that, uh, and and I think he he also found out that he when Kennedy was going to run for his second term, he was not going to have him as the vice president. Yeah. He was going to drop him from the ticket. Well, there he Kennedy had no choice. We're getting ahead of ourselves because we have not even talked about the Bay of Pigs yet. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, let's get let's, back to let's, that. Let's put that I, on I was, I was going off on a Johnson strand, I guess. Right. Which, which we'll so, get back to. So the thing is, is that <clears throat> here is Alan Dulles. And Alan Dulles is getting way too big for his britches. And there is this problem. There were problems boiling over in Cuba. And we'll talk a little bit about what Cuba was. Cuba was a sort of the playground right. for the mob. Yeah. You know, they had gambling there, all the drugs came through there. Cuba was a big was a big chip that was a it was a mob controlled you know, they had a they had a, a dictator what was the dictator's name there that oh had been God, put in by the Americans. Killing you're killing me here. Um, was it I don't know, I can't remember. Well we can we can look that up, but Fulgencio Batista. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. So it was Las Vegas before Las Vegas. Exactly. It was bigger it was the, than Las it was Vegas. The you remember the scene in The Godfather? Yes. Where, where Michael Corleone goes there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they had the, the mob had total control of the island. And, and yeah. they, you know, they were they were doing everything you could think of there. Oh, sure. You know, it, was, it was their it was their little wonderland. Like you said, it was like their Las Vegas. It was Las Vegas before right, Las right. Vegas. It was totally unchecked. Right. Totally unchecked. They could do basically do whatever. But, you know, if you remember saying from The Godfather, there was a, there was change in the... He, he noticed there was something going on there. Right. And and that little something was, was called Fidel Castro. Right. Um, so anyway, go, go, go ahead from where you were going. So the thing is, is that we were planning on helping Cuban exiles... Take back Cuba after Castro. Took after over. Castro right. took now, now, over. Castro was a was a um, he was a Castro was a lawyer actually. Yeah, he was. Everybody thinks he came out of the jungle or something with with camo on and right and took. But he was he was a smart guy. He he knew what was going on. He yeah. saw what was he saw how Cuba was being um, objectified by the United sure. States and and how the the whole island was being. Um, Exploited. Exploited. Yeah, good word. That's what I was looking for. It was being exploited right. by the white right people from the north. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was. It was a little, you know, imperialistic stronghold for the United States, and and he overthrew that, uh, got got that dictator out, whatever his name was, we couldn't remember. But um, so now this is now it's, it's now communist. Yeah. Right. And and this does not. And all those people fled to to Florida to Miami. Yeah. You know, so you've got this stronghold of Cuban slash mob people that, you know, are, are, are a little bit disgruntled with this whole Castro right. thing, you know, and, and want to get and want to get it back again. So they set up the Bay of Pigs. Now, that this is a CIA operation this that is, sort of was dumped in the lap of, yeah. you know, Nixon actually started that whole thing before Under he, thinking, thinking that he was going to be president and then he would just continue it. Right. And, and they set up these little... These little teams, they were called S teams. I don't know where that yeah. what that term is, but they were Cuban nationals that had been, um, you know, had been kicked out of Cuba yeah. because of their CIA. They were living and in stuff. training in, in in a few. There were like four or five of them in different paramilitary spots. camps, exactly, all scattered all right. over mm -hmm. under the watchful supervision of 
Mr. Dulles. And? And Mr. Nixon. And? Uh, Hoover. I don't know who the third one would be. It's not going to happen. Not on my oh, watch. H.W.? Operation. Yeah, no doubt. No Panama doubt. Storm. No doubt. There you go. So, uh, yeah, so these, these, these people decided that, um, you know, they were, they were going to take, take the island back. Yeah. And oddly enough, this, this, is, this came from, from uh, Daniel Sheehan now. Nixon put a call in to, of, of all people, Howard Hughes. Yeah. Howard Hughes was, a, was apparently was a CIA operative. Um, and again, he was involved in the movie industry, so he probably yeah. had some ties to Kennedy, and, and it, it all it all interconnects, really. Yeah, it's all interconnected. And, and Hughes did not um, want to be connected to it. No. So, so he had a he had sort of a you know he did an end run with it, and he set up this team um, that was going to be on the spearhead of this taking Cuba back. Yeah. And they were going to attack the attack the island. And um, you know, take it back with with a with a paramilitary paramilitary operation that was going to be a CIA run deal. Right. You know, they were the ones that were training everybody and getting all this stuff, right. all these pieces in place. Because Castro was a you know was a real thorn in their side. Right. Not to mention the fact that they wanted to get that get that chip back. And he, and, and Castro was getting really cozy with the Soviets. He was. He yeah. saw that he was like I said, he was a smart guy. He saw that yeah. as a point counterpoint. Yeah, you know, how can we keep the Americans in check? Right, and that eventually led to the you know the Cuban Missile Crisis, which which is a little bit down down the road a little bit. Um, yeah. So Kennedy gets into office, and and here he gets this he gets this operation dumped in his lap. Like here, this is what we're doing. You know, we need mil- yeah. we need military support. He basically found out about about the Bay of Pigs uh, maybe a day or two after the inauguration. Pretty quick. Pretty yeah. quickly. I mean the, I mean it was it was ready to roll. Yeah. You know, had Nixon won, it would have yeah. That would have been a whole new ball game. That would have been a whole Oh, absolutely. So Kennedy was like, "Whoa, wait a second! <laughs> hey, now, <laughs> what's going on here? You know, I, I you know, I'm not sure I want to be a part of this whole thing. You know, <laughs> uh, so that was the that was the first step, yeah, in in his eventual decline. You know, that was the the the, the first um, notch that led up to to what eventually happened to him. So as he, everybody he, knows, he, he balked the system. So as right every, out of the gate. So right as everybody gate. knows, the Bay of Pigs went off without a hitch. We retook Cuba. <laughs> yeah. And well, but, but uh, yeah, if Nixon had been elected, <laughs> and everything, you had B fifty twos flying over there. Right. right. But what really mm-hmm. happened is that Alan Dulles did not bother to tell Jack that the Soviets had gotten intel on the Bay of Pigs invasion. And wouldn't you know it that as soon as the uh, CIA-trained Cuban paramilitary forces stormed the beach, there were there were the Cubans, <laughs> the Cuban military just waiting, <laughs> waiting for them with handcuffs and whatnot. And who looked like had a little beach party? Yeah, beach beach blanket bingo. <laughs> and who looked like the jackass? Jack. Jack. Jack looked like, and he went from the camera, and he said. This is all me. This is all my fault. I should mm-hmm. not have done this. And he manned up on it. He he manned up on it. But you know, there's a curious sideline to that. Yeah. Which which came from from Daniel Sheehan. So I'm assuming it's probably true. 
because uh, he, he was he's privy to all this information yeah. all this inside stuff Kennedy actually arranged for air support and Alan Dulles but now no, it was coming from and, and Dulles might have been yeah. had his hand in this he probably did but they arrived an hour late because they hadn't reset their clocks when the time changed <laughs> <laughs> So by the time they got there, it was it was over and done. Everybody was dead. <laughs> isn't, isn't that funny? <laughs> and and who knows that, that Alan Dulles didn't have something. You know you know that that scene from all of, every army movie you've ever yeah. seen where they all synchronize their watches. <laughs> well, guess what? They didn't. <laughs> so the so the American air support arrived and and everything was, was a done deal. Oh my God. So. You know, so Kennedy, I think, was set up. Now, Kennedy was from an elite family. Yeah. He, he was probably tied in with a financial cabal somehow, you know. Sure. But guess what? But he's not playing ball with them. He didn't them. play the game. He didn't play the game. Because he, cause here because the, he didn't. He was a smart guy. And, he's, and he, he said, looked at what that. was going on. And he looked at. Now, yeah. you, and I, you and I made a promise. You and I made a pact that we were not going to go down this road for too long. Okay. We're only going to What road is that? We're only going to briefly mention Executive Order 111110. Okay. Because Jack Kennedy was looking into the Federal Reserve. What the hell is the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve doing? Cuz if you cuz if you know anything about what's the one thing we all know about the Federal Reserve? Well, it's not federal. And <laughs> I mean, I hope we all—I hope we all know that. <laughs> and, and we have no control over it. It is an, an entity in and among itself. Well, it controls us. It's not the other. You know, exactly. It, it, it was set up to to do for that exact purpose. Exactly. You know, if you control the money, you control everything. It is and everything Andrew is. Jackson yeah. warned us exactly. about. Exactly. Because and and because the thing is, is that we have a. We have uh, the one world order is being controlled through the Federal Reserve in mm-hmm. part. And they, they control prices. They control inflation. They control the flow of money. Um, American currency mm-hmm. is, and, and, and it's the fiat currency. And it's only backed by the promise and the goodwill of the rest of the world after it was taken off the gold standard. So the thing is, is that Jack Kennedy said, we are going to look into, I'm going to audit the Fed. And when we audit the Fed, we're also going to audit where is all the money going into all of these black projects. We're going to, we're going mm-hmm. to turn over every stone that is concerned with, uh, the, the, with the Treasury. And see what crawls out. See what crawls out. Yeah. And he was going to, he was going to have... Um Silver certificate money printed. Yeah, he actually started that. My mother actually has a silver hidden hidden somewhere. Probably valuable. Now, now the thing is, 171 days later, after signing that executive order, what happened in Dallas? I think we know. I think we all know. We know. Um, So, you know, that was one of the pieces. That was a big piece. That was a huge piece. Um, The second thing... well, the, the, one of the biggest mistakes I think Kennedy made was he retained Alan Dulles as the yeah. head of the CIA after the, after the um, Eisenhower administration. Yep. Now, he was, a, he was the head of the CIA for Eisenhower, Truman. Um, was, he, was he under Roosevelt, too? I don't, I don't know. No. No? 
No. Or he came in, so he must have come in with Truman. Then. Because the thing is, is that it, uh, because... Because he went back. I mean, he, he had some role he all was the in way the back OSS. to Wilson. Because I, I saw a speech that Kennedy made when he was saying that he was going to retain him. Yes. Saying that, that he was retaining Alan Dulles as the the head of the CIA, and, and he had served presidents all the way back to Wilson. So he must which have, is true. Which, which he, is true. He had some role. What, what, which what, is what true. It was, may not have been head of the CIA. So at some point, he decided, um, and maybe it was after the Bay of Pigs. It was exactly that, right after the okay. Bay of Pigs. So Kennedy decided that Alan Dulles had to go. Alan Dulles set him up because Alan he Dulles did, did not he bother did. to tell he Jack, mm-hmm. hey, the Russians are waiting for our, yeah. our and, troops. And Kennedy was smart enough to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. He, he could smell a rat when, he, right. when it was under his nose. So keep in um, mind that Ken, I mean, behind uh, there are some people who are paranoid because they really they're just paranoid. The chemical or mental imbalance or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Kennedy, on the other hand, Kennedy knew that he was surrounded by a whole bunch of Mark Anthony's and Julius well, Caesar's assassins. and all like yeah, that. Because the thing is, is that he couldn't trust Hoover because J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover had a filing cabinet in his office of all the awful dirty deeds that that his family had been a part of. Oh, absolutely. J. Edgar Hoover had recordings. Well, he had pictures of every girlfriend Kennedy ever had. He had he had audio recordings of women that he banged including um this Ken- this Kennedy? Austrian supermodel yeah. who turned out to be a Nazi spy. I rem- I heard about that, yeah. And J. Edgar that. Hoover had the dirt on Robert Kennedy and and Jack Kennedy mm-hmm. and Ted Kennedy. You know, and, and and as another little sideline to that, um, getting back to Sam G. and Kana, he he um, Kennedy had an affair with his mistress. Actually, what the hell are you thinking? I mean, it, it's all it's all interconnected. You know, it's crazy when you start really looking at it. It's like a web of 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 all of these dirty dealings. You know, and black black stuff going on. All this know? crazy so, crap you know, as, going on. As, as great a man as I think Kennedy is for the things that he tried to do, you know, he, he clearly had a dark side, too. Oh, you know? he, oh, oh I mean, he yeah. Had, and, and his father had, had the exact same um, affliction. of he, he just couldn't keep his hands off of, of women. Oh, you know, was he was just, a whoremonger from the word go. Absolutely. You know, you know, the ironic thing about that whole thing is that uh, Joe Kennedy, his father, had an affair with a, with a blonde actress, Gloria Swanson. Yeah, I was going to mention and, that. And Kennedy had an affair with Marilyn, blonde, blonde actress. And yeah. That sort of comes right on down the line. You know, sins of the father. Yeah. Or revisited. So, um, yeah, I know. So that so that got him that got him where he got, you know. So then you had a you then now you have a cabal of angry people who are negotiating behind the sidelines saying, what are we going to do with this guy who calls himself the Messiah? Well, he's he's got his brother, Bobby, who's who's talking about going after the mob. Yeah. You know, so he's got them and organized got, crime got in labor off. Organized yeah, well, crime. Yeah. Um, um, Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Um, you know, Bobby was going after that. You know, Bobby was, Bobby was had some big plans. He was, he, he was jumping up. Because uh, he's looking at, you know, you had, you had people that probably were, were ticked off about um, the civil rights issues. Yeah. You know, white supremacists. That, I, you know, that's something that doesn't get talked about too much, but that had to be in there too. Yeah. You know, so it's like this nexus of people that, you know, wanted to see Kennedy, they had very good reasons to have Kennedy um, go to Dallas and get yeah. his, half of his head blown off. 
Um, and, and don't think that that wasn't done in ritualistic fashion because it was. Yeah. You know, that was not that was not the fact that it occurred in Dallas and LBJ was from Texas. That's not that, a that should not be pal. lost on people. That's not you know, a coincidence. No, although, although, although they did attempt to, to get him in Miami and Chicago, but they yeah. but it didn't get pulled off. And, and maybe that was by choice. I don't know. Listen, this is going to be an extra long show because we have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, well, we're going to we're going to do two parts, right? Do you want to take a, you want to take another another break? Okay. Well, let's do so. We'll do another half hour or so. We'll do another half hour. To okay. Forty five. We, we could go on forever, probably. Absolutely. Um, but, but but this is a good point to to kind of yeah um, take take a little take a, we're going to take a little break. Then when we get because this back is here, really leading up to Dallas now. What right. Walt wants to talk about, Walt does not want to talk about what happened at Dallas because we've done that to well, Dallas. Well, it's been covered by by so many different. Factions, and if you actually do a Google search of the phrase "Oswald didn't act alone," the tops, the <laughs> how top, many, how many searches do you get on that? Like the top thousands? search result is the article that I wrote a couple of weeks ago. Really, a couple of months, a couple of years ago. Really, yeah. So hmm. I've done that topic, and you to didn't death. engineer that somehow, Eric. No, I did. actually no, I didn't because it's, because it, it's it's one of the top five articles that I've ever written for the, hmm. for, for the Fedora hmm. Chronicles. But it, but it, but the larger picture is that this, um, you know, this this thing that happened to Kennedy had such a big uh, impact on the American psyche. It 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 really changed everything. Yeah. Um, it was essentially what it was was a coup. Yeah. It was a political. No, coup. it, it not, literally not a was a coup. coup. It was literally it was a, a political coup. coup. It was a group of people that that took out. Um, that took out the leadership of, of the free world. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk about some one of the aspects of the Kennedy assassination that nobody is willing to really get into and really talk about. And that's going to be, we're going to talk about the finances of the United States and the United States war machine under the CIA that really took a hold of everything. As always, we are looking for things to promote and share on the Metaphysical Connection podcast. If you have something that you would like us to discuss on the show, you can send us your copy to my email address, info at thefedorachronicles.com. We will help you to promote your events, goods and services, and media that you created like documentaries, books, and even other podcasts that would be interesting to our audience. Once again, drop me a line at info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can find out more about us by going to metaphysicalpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter handle, with more social media to come in the next few weeks. Support the show by going to zazzle.com slash chronicles for Metaphysical Connection products and items from our other media on the Fedora Chronicles network. So we're, we're coming back from our little break here, and, and uh, we, we, we are leading up to the uh, to the big day in Dallas, let's, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Let's talk about what was going on with LBJ in Washington, because there were a lot of hearings about a lot of dirty dealings that he had, mm. a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of crap that he was doing before he became vice president. Right, and and it, had he not had Kennedy not been 
was eliminated, he probably would have been indicted. He probably would have ended up in jail, I would think. Oh, they were oh. starting to get on to him. He, he really did a lot of nasty stuff. There was a lot of things, a lot of conflicts of interest. And the thing is, is that he had owned a lot of stock under his wife's name and a mm. lot of military and industry Lady stock. Bird? Lady, Lady Bird, Bird owned a lot of stock in Bell Helicopter. Hmm. Oddly enough. Oddly enough. Who, who, by the way, had the sole contract for that. No, no other bidders. Uh-uh. Right. It was a no-bid contract. Right. right. And I think they were used pretty, pretty um, prominently in Vietnam. Right? <coughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. <coughs> I almost started laughing because they made the, the, the infamous Huey helicopter. When you think of Vietnam, you think, when you think of Vietnam, you think Huey. Yeah, that's that what that was. Well, that's, that's a good... <coughs> That's a good place to take off because um, Vietnam was a huge uh, part of also why Kennedy was was knocked off. You also got to realize that all we had in there were a couple of military advisors. We really didn't have boots on the ground. But it was set up. It was set up to happen. Yeah. It was, uh, Nixon was, that was going to be one another one of Nixon's big projects. That was, that was already set up when Kennedy yeah. got in. Um, we did so, such a great so, job at Korea. We're going to do it all over again in yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, the the whole setup was that again. It was going to be communism. You know, to to stop. They had that big domino theory yeah. worked up where, you know, they were going to stop all the communi- communism from taking over all the countries in Southeast Asia. And you know, Vietnam fell. That was going to be the that was going yeah. to be the dom- the first domino, which. Didn't quite work out that way, but whoever came up with that theory, I don't know. I remember hearing that though, like you know, when I was young. Curtis Lemay. <clears throat> no, Curtis Lemay. Is he the one that came up with that? He was one of the people who come up with right. it. Now let's stop and think about. It. Let's talk. Let's talk about JFK and our involvement in Vietnam at the time, which is sort of not separate but separate to what was going on. Because the thing is, is that we had President Diem, who was installed by the United States. He was basically our puppet. And he was really sort of going to town. He was persecuting many of the Buddhists who were in Vietnam, while at the same time we were were going after the communists, the Viet Cong, under Ho Chi Minh. And Mm -hmm. Ho Chi Minh's big thing was, let's get Western imperialism out of our country. He wanted to unify. Except that at some point, he actually reached out to the United States. Yeah. Um, I think before the Vietnam War. So, so he, was, he was playing both sides against the middle, too. Yeah, because the thing is, is that um, before America's involvement, Indochina was a colonial property of France, mm-hmm. of all places. Right. They, they, were, they had a conflict there. So... You know, and you know what? And I totally forgot. I forgot, totally forgot to talk to you about the assassination attempt at Charles de Gaulle, who was the president at some point of France after World War Two. Mm-hmm. He was a general. He was a he was a uh, he was a general of of uh, of uh, the French resistance in uh, in Western France, yeah. fighting against Vichy France and the Germans. Right. 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 So, um, so Vietnam was kind of dumped in Kennedy's lap too. Oh yeah, and he, with the Bay of Pigs. You know, Nixon. I, I believe Nixon had had that whole thing rolling, and the Bay of Pigs, yeah, along with the Bay of Pigs, yeah. yeah. So, so they, you know, the military wanted Kennedy to get involved, 
and he wasn't he Let's wasn't buying it. it. You know, he wasn't buying it. He, no, he was like, no, that's it's not going to happen. You know, no, because he looked at what was going on. Because the thing is, is that he was encouraged to assassinate our puppet, President DM. Mm -hmm. So DM and his brother were kidnapped, dragged to uh, a, a a cottage in a village outside of Saigon where he committed suicide while his hands were handcuffed behind his back. Right, which is hard to do. I, I, you it's, know, it's hard to do. Yeah. Don't, he, pulled, he somehow pulled it off. I that's don't know how he did that. But. I think that's amazing. So, so Vietnam was, a, was another piece that, um, and, it, and it really was, you know, again, it was that dialectic setup of, of communism versus capitalism. Yeah. But it was also, a, it was another drug pipeline. Um, yeah, we established that in the part part two of the show. Yeah, right. Um, so that was another reason why this faction wanted wanted Vietnam to happen, and Kennedy yeah. was not having any of it. He he said, "No, nah, it's not going to." He I think he agreed to put maybe some military advisors in there, and that was a because bad we idea. wanted he didn't to put he wanted to put any boots on the ground, right? And and they didn't like that because yeah. number one, you you got people like Johnson who had the who knows how much stock in all of these different, um, you know, enterprises if, that benefited from Vietnam, if the you chemical mean, weapons and, the, and everything and, you, know, you could possibly Napalm, imagine. Dow chemical, all those, all those places. Because when, when Johnson That's what war is, that's war is, war is a, is a booty for the, for the companies that produce the, they're the real the winners of every Absolutely war. Absolutely. They are. Absolutely. They are. And so, I think Kennedy knew that. So you look at Johnson and Johnson, had his fingers in every sort of corrupt deal you could possibly think of at the time, Walt. And if you made a bullet or if you made a tank, a Jeep, any kind of, if you were any cog in the war machine, making material from uniforms to boots to bullets to helicopters to what everything I had already mentioned, Johnson's estate had stock in those companies yeah absolutely that, that's all and, part of the deal part and, of the, and, part. and the thing is is that he, he had insider information about what the plan was after eisenhower i'm sure he and did. eisenhower sure he did. eisenhower knew exactly what because we were going to have this war that may or may not have been manufactured in the gulf of tonkin i think it was yeah actually we were just looking for an excuse it was a we, precipitating event you know, yeah. There's always one of those, yeah. whether it's the main being sunk, the, you know, the battleship or the, yeah. or the Archduke being assassinated. It, it's always one of those kind of things. Right. You know, and it's it's all something to provide an incendiary yeah. thing to get everybody fired up to say, oh, my God, we got to go to war over that. Right. You know? um, and that's what happens. And this, you know, this is not a new game. It goes it goes back to the Civil War, at least for, for yeah. the United States, if not before that. You know, where the North and the South were, were positioned against each other. Whoever is making the big, huge dollar. Right. right. If you listen to Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind, he, he says that pretty clearly. Yeah. Which, which is kind of interesting that they threw that in there, just a little sideline, you know. Yeah. So, you know, Kennedy did just about everything he could do to get himself killed, you know. Yeah. Um, he and, was pissing and, in everybody's Cheerios. He was. He was he was putting a turd in everybody's punch bowl. Yeah. And man, you know, he was doing the right thing now. He he was exactly. doing the right thing. And well, you see where it got him. Yeah. You know. So uh, so I I have to say that I think Johnson was probably one of the biggest progenitors of 
of the Kennedy assassination. Well, hang on a second here. Okay, you want to go there yet? Now, before we now, do we want to get to the day of the assassination, or do we want to go, let's talk about the, let's talk about let's do the whatever the lead up to it is. I mean, clearly those events, um, the Bay Pigs firing uh, Dulles, firing Dulles. Uh, I don't know how the Cuban Missile Crisis factored into that. You had men Kennedy, like Kennedy came out pretty pretty strong on that. You had but, men like Curtis LeMay. <clears throat> well, he who, was yeah, he who he, were yelling at at Robert McNamara, who was like what? He was uh, Secretary of Defense. Sec, Secretary of Defense. Yeah. Saying we should have gone in there, we should have bombed them, we should have new used nuclear weapons. Oh, he wanted to have a nuclear exchange. Uh, Curtis LeMay. He did. He did. Yeah, he's crazy. And Curtis LeMay, who was parodied by George C. Mm. Scott, and you know, and talking about how, and not only that, we should have nuked Moscow, and if we lost cities on on the East Coast. Who gives a fuck? They're liberal assholes anyway, and they have it coming. And Did they actually say that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I never heard that one. There was there were some reports. I mean, mm. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, who cares? Curtis LeMay's huge thing was, who cares if we lose Boston, New York, Washington D.C. Yeah, that's nice sentiment. As long as we come out on top and Miami so long as we win the war right, right. so we have a nuclear wasteland for the east coast who cares yeah. so you know so you put all these pieces together I think Kennedy actually came out smelling pretty good after the after the Cuban missile crisis he, he halted he, the apocalypse he, he did he, re- he really did and it was <laughs> it was not far away I mean it was yeah. it was right on the doorstep you know he stood up to Khrushchev and, and they I don't think either one of them really wanted to have that happen I think I think Khrushchev was as much bluster as he had. I think he was more or less a fairly reasonable person. Right. Um, he didn't want neither one of them wanted to be responsible for the for a nuclear war. No. You know. <clears throat> so Kennedy came. You know, Kennedy showed some big, big cleones on that one. Yeah. You know, he 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 drew a line in the sand, and and uh, said, you know, don't cross it. Can we dial it back for just one second? Yeah. And talking about Curtis LeMay. At the end of World War II. We were working on the atomic weapon, and it was pretty clear that this is a theory some people have. And I don't know if I believe this theory or not. It may or may not be true. Japan was getting ready to surrender. They were making noise that they were getting ready. To, they were ready, getting ready. And it was men like Curtis LeMay who were looking at the Manhattan Project and the billions of dollars that we had spent. We have two nuclear weapons that we have worked so hard, we have got to use them because plutonium is like, it's a perishable item. So is it, So you think he, he's the one that pushed Truman into... And the thing the is, is that I think that we drop, according to some resources, and I think that they have a good point, that it was a, it was a runaway train that, that Truman could not stop. Maybe that's possible. I, I always wondered about that. And I've made this point before. I was wondering why they didn't just like explode one off the coast of Japan, like 20 miles off the coast or something, and say, you know, Check that's, this what out. We ha- that's what we have. You know, yeah. You want us to drop that on the mainland? Yeah. We can do that, but, you know, you, or you can surrender. That's yeah. what that's what I never quite got, why they had to, and, and not only drop one, but two. Right. You know, like, isn't that kind of overkill? I mean, I would have thought after the first one, the Japanese would have been waving. Right. Those How come they didn't surrender flags? after the first one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. 
I don't understand uh, it. Anyway, that's kind of a side point. But so um, getting so, so getting back to what happened after the Cuban Missile Crisis, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is that JFK was reaching out to Khrushchev and said, "Hey, we got to put an end to this." And not only that, he reached out to to the Russians to uh, combine our our energies, our scientific energies, to go into space. Yeah, you know, so he was trying to, you know, he was offering a a, a hand. Yeah, to to the Russians, which. You know, had he lived, that would have been a whole different. Maybe the Russian and American relations would have been a whole lot different. Yeah. You know, who knows? It, it might have gone that way anyway. But who knows? We don't know. We don't know, because obviously he didn't live. So. Yeah. So so now we're getting to the point where it's starting to look inevitable that Kennedy's going to be taken out somehow. Because there were, as you mentioned, there was an assassination and uh, uh, there was an assassination attempt in Miami. And then there was a failed assassination attempt in Chicago. Uh, only only failed in that Kennedy got wind of it yeah. and, and chose not to, to do what he was going to do. There right. was no actual attempt, um, physical attempt, I, I don't think. Let's let, let, We'll put that on the table. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but I, I don't think there was. I don't think right. anybody actually like shot at him or something no. or, or waved a gun at him or anything right. like that. I think... I think it was set up, and Kennedy got wind of it. There was it, some and intelligence, did, and he hey, did something. There's going to be an assassination attempt. However, now with Dallas is another story because Johnson convinced him that he needed to go to Dallas, right? Because of his upcoming, you know, yeah. re-election. Gee, wasn't that convenient? Yeah. Um, and if anybody thinks that the Kennedy assassination happened in Dallas by by coincidence, they're they're sadly mistaken. There's a lot of reasons for it, both real and, and esoteric and you know it, it's on the um the 41st is it the 40 41st parallel or? you're an expert on that i am yeah um know. anyway it 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 has a lot of significance in terms of the esoteric point of view the symbolism and yeah. and and this really was was an execution it, it was yeah. a ritualized execution and on top of everything else <clears throat> Uh, campaign contributors to all of Johnson's campaigns from 1948 on uh, owned buildings around Daly Plaza. True. A friend of Johnson's owned the book uh, depository. Which was would have been a good reason to reroute the the motorcade so so that it didn't go, you know, underneath all of these buildings that were... There's potential jump. assassination points. At the last <clears throat> minute, it, the route had changed uh-huh. around Daly Plaza, mm-hmm. and it was published in the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. Now, the thing is, is that if Lee Harvey Oswald said, oh, I'm going to kill Kennedy, nobody knew it was going to go around Daly Plaza until the morning of when it was published in the newspaper that the mm-hmm. motorcade was going to go or well, jog around Daly Plaza. Yeah, but who who set that route? You know, that's that's another question. Johnson. I, Johnson and well, his handlers. And, and I think I think the Dallas police were also yeah. um, rolled into this. You know, I think they were in collusion with, with the whole thing. What happened the night <clears throat> before the Kennedy assassination? Well, that was a, that's a big that's a big thing. You have a piece and I have a piece. Go ahead. I do. Uh, there was a there was a Texas oil man who was uh, a good friend of Johnson's, who had a ranch outside of Dallas. I believe he was also one of the um, owners of one of the buildings. Check your notes. Well, that, I don't know about that. 
but but I'm, I'm trying to I want to check his name. I have his name written down because it's uh, Clint uh, Masters. No, Mendelson. Yeah, Clint Mendelson. Uh, he he had a place outside of Dallas, and they had they had a little party the night before the before the assassination, and there was there's some pretty pretty important people there. Um, Richard Nixon being one of them, uh-huh. and Johnson being of another course one. the guest um, of honor. Now, now there's some question as to whether um, our our old friend George H W was there. That depends that's, on that's, who that's you not ask. Not been not been um, allegedly. Yeah, it's, according it's, to some sources, no, nobody has um, a, any clear definitive answer okay, to that. Apparently, but he was he was definitely in town. George and he Barbara. He was in town for the event. Allegedly, according to one source, George and Barbara were there. Right. Now, at some point during this this shindig, um, the, the all the men got together and went into a room, a private room, to to have cigars and and whiskey, I guess, and to right. talk about the the upcoming event. Uh-huh. Apparently. So um, Johnson happened to have his mistress with him. Yep. At the time, um, and I, th- I guess he had a he had a string of them. Um, I'm trying to think of what her name was. Is her this is Brown. Is this the same mistress who had his bastard child? His bastard. That son? I don't know. That I don't know. However, there were two people um, there who were were were. I don't I don't know that they ever really testified, but that but they came out and said that some, about some of the events that happened yeah. there. Uh, and w- the other person was a black chauffeur who drove a lot of the people from the from yeah. the airport to this event. Yeah. Um, under the under the auspices of Alan Dulles. Yeah. He's the one who flew all these people in. So he was a he was the point man for this whole thing. <coughs> Alan Dulles was a, also allegedly at this party, according to some resources. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that's not definitive either. But right, there's probably a good chance he was there. Right. So. These guys are all kind of getting together to finalize the finalize the deal. I think. You know, I think there was, were more there to happen. celebrate because the die well, the die was cast, yeah, Walt. Well, it was it was, but there were things I guess that could have gone wrong. There, it, it kind of went off like clockwork, though. Apparently, the way they planned it. Now, um, Johnson's mistress after the after these this meeting this little sub meeting was done back room meeting, he came out and said. Um, after tomorrow, he said to her, apparently, yeah. she's come out and said this. I think it was in a magazine article or something that she was interviewed. Yeah. Um, she actually came out and said, um, or he came out and said to her, uh, after tomorrow, we won't have to worry about the Kennedy boys anymore. Yeah. Now, according to... So, you know, go, you go from there. According to Roger Stone's book on the subject, he, he was drinking too much. And he had said many times... After tomorrow, I'm not going to have to worry about those Kennedy boys anymore. Allegedly, according he, to Roger Stone. He said Stone. it after, after the assassination. He, he made that statement a couple yeah. of times. Too. We got him a couple. Of, and then there was the whole scene with him on, the, on Air Force One, sort of. Yeah, the, with a wink. Sort of winking to the, whoever the guy was that was there. Uh, her name was Madeline Duncan Brown. Yeah. Um, and she did, yes. an, she did an interview with a guy named Galen Ross. It was a one and a half hour interview where she talked about... Um, you know that that event, which which is kind of interesting, if it's true. And it, you know, if he was if he was loaded up on wild turkey or something. Oh hell yeah! You know, hell he, he probably was a little yeah. loose lipped. 
Uh, I'm figuring you'd probably kill her if she said anything. He probably told her you'd kill her if she said Hell anything. Hell to the, yeah. So uh, it's kind of interesting. You now, know, that. So that really points to him being a big player. Now, Walter. Or the player. Where were the Secret Service men the night before while Johnson and the, all the bigwigs were having their party? I, I don't know. I have no they were at a nightclub. Were they? Yeah. Was it was it by any chance Jack Ruby's nightclub? <gasps> what? <laughs> no. Really? Were they being, really? they were being entertained? <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Free drinks to all the Secret Service men. Free drinks. And they were there well into the next morning. Some of them reported to work. A little bit of a hangover? Some of them had gotten no sleep, and some of them were still intoxicated. So they, a little, little groggy. Yep, and so apparently they weren't, they weren't on their. They didn't have. They didn't bring their A game. They were not. They didn't even bring their B game mm-hmm. or their C game or their D game. You know. You know. It's funny when you when you look at the clip. There's a Bruder clip. Yeah. Right. The the, the action right before the, yeah. the, the the shots were fired. Yeah. Um, the the Secret Service guys were riding on the back of the limo. Yeah, and then they got and, and yeah. they got ordered to get off. The guy that ordered them, uh-huh. and one of the, which cleared the way for the shot. One of the shots. Well, one of the shots. Yeah. So it, had they been sitting there, they would have blocked. Yeah. They would have blocked the shot, but they were right at that instant. They were ordered to get off, and you can see one of the guys saying like, "What the fuck? Like, what the hell's going on? You know, what like, the he, hell, he didn't man? know what to do. You what know? the he was, hell? He was standing right near the car, going with his arms out, like, "What's going on? Exactly." You know? It was totally against their their procedure, their protocol. And then the, and then the car mm. slows down, <laughs> almost to a stop. Right. Mm. And the driver turns around. <laughs> and what was LBJ doing in the car behind? Exploding. He oh, went, LBJ. Oh, no, that's another interesting LBJ. Point. You know what was, he was doing? He was tucked underneath. He was like, get but, down. But do you know what he was doing? What was he doing? He had a walkie-talkie in the car. That he, was, he was listening. Apparently, he was listening to the whole thing go down. So he not only was not only not only did he get a front row seat, he got an audio, you know, the whole, the whole he got, audio. He got an audio on it too. But everybody you know? was like, the thing is, is that they as they made the turn from he Main Street, took great delight in that. I would imagine was it was it Elm Street, Maple Street, Main Street onto Daly Plaza. Mm-hmm. He had hunkered down under behind the seat, and he was pulling his wife, Ladybird, going, mm-hmm. "Get down, get down." Before the before any of the shots were fired, he was saying, "You own the stock and Bell helicopter. You can't get killed." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was so obvious. Yeah, of a setup, you know. I mean, it was, it's so you know anybody that, that thinks Oswald was a little, not, not only was Lee. he probably not even didn't even fire any shots. He might not even have been the one that fired shots. Well, it, it, it was Im- almost impossible for him to do the, the damage that he Walt, did. Walt, you know? all the witnesses who were there in Daly Plaza, they saw the muzzle flash. Yeah, they smelled, they they smelled, smelled the smoke. They smelled the gunpowder, yeah. Smelled the, they heard the shots right, coming from behind right, the picket right, fence. Right. Mm-hmm. And, now, and Lee Burrows, who was this guy who was a railroad worker, um which was behind the picket fence, the, the railroad yard mm-hmm. that was behind the picket fence, he saw two people, one dressed in a dark suit, the other one dressed as a police officer. With guns. Well, that, one that, was, that gun. was Roscoe White. And he well, noticed, he noticed that it was a Remington Fireball hand rifle. 
Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't hear that. For some reason, he looked at it, and it was like, I know that. I, I know that. It's, it's a rifle that you hold like a pistol, mm-hmm. like a, a hunting rifle that you hold like a pistol. So uh, get, getting back to what Nixon's connection was to this. Yeah. Nixon was, was the guy that set up those Cuban teams of Cuban, um, yes. Cuban nationals that you know, were working for the CIA, were trained by the this, CIA. This is when I have to throw in the back. word allegedly. Well, allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, a lot of this stuff is alleged. Right. Um, that there's no real hard right. proof of it. You know, eyewitnesses and, and that kind yeah. of thing. Stuff that would stand up in a trial, necessarily. <clears throat> so so the, one of these teams of, of Cuban assassins, essentially, yeah. or paramilitary yeah. CIA-trained guys, was brought into Dallas. Yep. They were flown in. But the main shooter, apparently... Was was a was a hitman, a Corsican hitman. Yeah, um, who came into the came into Dallas on a, on an Italian passport. Yeah, and he was he was the main shooter. He was he was a crack dead eye. He he'd assassinated yeah. a number of people for the CIA. Yeah, he so he had a record of being really good, and he actually wanted to stand on the bridge. Yeah, when the car, but it, but it, it, there was too much security there, so they put him on the they put him on yeah. the hill. And he, I think he's the one that that and there was that, there that was fired the death shot. There were a lot of mysterious, strange people hiding, not hiding in the bushes per se, but I, I say hiding in the bushes facetiously. Yeah, I, I think they were sort of spotters guarding. They, they were telling people they said they were Secret Service. They were telling people to there get were a lot of people and, who claimed that yeah, they were Secret yeah. Service. Yeah. And apparently they were never seen or heard of, heard from well, again. You know, if some if you're standing there and somebody in a suit comes up and says, "I'm Secret Service," you have to go over there. Who's going to argue with them? You know, oh, uh, don't look at me. No, no, no. People aren't not going to argue. So, so I think that's where the where the kill shot came from. One from, of from, one from, from, from well, and I think there was one big one. I think the the one that came from the uh, clearly came from the front and exploded Kennedy's head, pretty much knocked you know exploded in half. Was was that shot from this this Corsican hitman? I think that was the one that did it. Yeah, this, the, the ones that came from behind were not were kind of incidental almost. One yeah. hit him in the shoulder, and one. I don't think they would have necessarily killed. I him. just want to also mention that in the book suppository book or the book depository. Mm-hmm. Book suppository. That's a good term. <laughs> <laughs> that's were, kind of what it was. There were at least three rifles found. There oh, was, really? There was a German-made Mauser. With a high power uh, scope, it was German made. It was a, it was the it was the rifle of assassins. It was an assassin's choice rifle that ha- that was found in the book depository. There was also on the roof. There was a um, uh, riot police um, shotgun that had been found, mm-hmm. and of course Lee Harvey Oswald's gun that had been found. Now, just as a quick aside, the uh, Manlicker Carcano gun that allegedly was configured for, because Lee Harvey Oswald, was he right or left-handed? And the thing is, is that the gun was configured the opposite. Ah, that's, Whereas, because the thing is, there's yeah. a way that you can configure the bolt where the bolt action. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that for you to, if you were right-handed, but the rifle was configured for left-handed, you have to pull the gun away, cycle through the bolt, bring the gun back up to your to, right. to your which, face. Which is a, a very poor choice for it's an a very, assassination. It's a, it's a, and it's yeah. a and on top of that, it's a horribly made gun. Right. 
So anyway, getting back to the um, to the shooter, uh, his name was Lucian Sarti. Okay. Uh, he was a he was a drug trafficker. Yeah. From from uh, Corsica, so he was he he was recruited by um, the mafia. Yeah. So that's where their connection came in. Yeah. You know, they had, they had a good reason for that. So he he was a drug trafficker yeah. that you know actually probably was in league with the mafia. Yeah. In the drug in the drug trade. Yeah. And and then uh, Giancana was the I don't know if he was the the person, yeah. that, but he you know it was through him anyway. So they got him to, to, to do the kill shot, yeah. I think. And, and so they weren't going to leave any. There were, they, there's talk that there was as many as nine shots fired. Some of them were fired simultaneously. Yeah. So, so it sounded like one shot, but it was, was actually more. And I think they came from different directions. So, yeah. so they were leaving little to uh, They were leaving to little chance, to chance. To I chance. mean, Kennedy right. was going to be a dead man no matter what happened. Yeah, he was, he was not going yeah. um, to come out of Dallas other than in a coffin yeah and that's that's exactly what happened so so as we said you know at the end of the last break is that this really was a was a coup it was yeah it was an overthrow of the existing american government by forces that were uh, not military but i guess paramilitary yeah so there you have it that's you know that's that was the end of the american and all and, and the thing is is that on the day after on the 23rd all charges against Johnson were dropped. Almost in everything oh, that yeah. he was. Well, all, that's a good. That's a good thing to, to talk about. All what, the corruption. What charges. did Johnson do after in the aftermath of the assassination? Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, that's a that's a good place to go. Where do you want to go with um, that? Well, I mean, you have to kind of look at what he did and and say, gee, you know, all of the things that Kennedy um, was pushing for got totally reversed directly after the assassination. So, Starting you know, with the executive order. To investigate the Treasury and the Federal right, Reserve, right? He took that off the table. He he immediately reversed the plans for that Kennedy had for Vietnam, for getting out of Vietnam, for getting out of Vietnam, and and went went, went sort of whole hog on that. Yeah, you know, uh, you, know you just you just look at all the all the connections that Kennedy had to you know as to why he why he was assassinated. And, That's all you then, need to know, and then it be, then and you see all of that stuff just immediately reverse. And this is like days. I mean, I think the um, I think it was November 29th Yeah, when he when he started doing all this stuff. Another thing he did, which is which is kind of interesting, is he he had all of the um, all the evidence and all of the all of the things connected to the assassination put in a closed file. That, that can't yeah. be opened until 2039. There's a lot of stuff that's. He had the um, he had the limo, the the Lincoln. Um, it was sent, presidential limo. He had it totally refurbished. He had it sent back to Detroit. And yeah. It was stripped. It eliminated all. That the, was a crime scene. All, all the yeah, he eliminated all the evidence. It was whatever. a crime scene. Right. They right. stripped it and they right. rebuilt it from the frame up. Right. right. I wonder where that thing is now. Who knows. Probably in a museum. Or oh something. no! The, well, the, the rebuilt Smithsonian? the rebuilt well, version yeah. is on display somewhere in Detroit. Is it? Yeah. So there you go. I mean, that that's not hard to. It's not hard to figure. All the fingers you know? point at they LBJ. Don't. All the fingers point at LBJ. So this was really a nexus of of forces that came together to to eliminate Kennedy. Yeah. Because um, everything that we were because getting out of Vietnam was. All, all the overtures towards peace mm-hmm. with the Soviet Union, that was taken off the table. Um, 
So if, if you look at um, conjecture-wise, if you look at what America might have been had Kennedy not been taken out, it would be, be a whole different... We'd be living in a different world. Yeah, it would be. And, and maybe that's, you know, it's, it's hard to say what would have happened, you know, what direction the whole yeah. thing would have gone in. But I, I have to believe that was the beginning of the real yeah. takeover of the New World Order. Yeah. And that's when George Bush really, really stepped up and, you know, work, he eventually worked his way into the CIA. And, um, you know, another interesting sideline that I discovered, um, this is kind of an obscure piece of information, I think. And I can't remember the guy's name. Maybe you can find it. But he was the, he was the director of the CIA after Dulles. Okay. Um, well, he had a really pretty wife. Yes. Who, who Kennedy was messing around with, <laughs> <laughs> oddly enough. Um, there's a, actually a picture of them. Um, stand, the four of them, Jackie Kennedy, um, Jack, and, and this CIA director and his wife standing yeah. there. And, and Kennedy's kind of, they're, they're kind of, Kennedy and the wife are kind of giving each other a, like, yeah. a, I'll meet you later for a little. Boo-jigawawa. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> But but the but the really out there thing about that whole thing not not that he, you know had a had a post or extramarital event you know that yeah. that was pretty commonplace, but she was friends with Timothy Leary. Yep. Timothy Leary of the um, guru of the <clears throat> yep. you know the the, uh, the hippie movement and the yeah. and the counterculture and, and all those things it was a he was a Harvard professor I believe, he was. Right? Um, and he, he was the one that was sort of, the, you know, the, on the forefront of LSD and right. experimenting with that mind-altering well, substances. And, uh, but guess what? What? Guess what he was in reality. CIA. He was a CIA operative. Now, here's something a lot. And he was charged with, with disseminating LSD in, into, the, into that generation to, yep. to sort of make them more open to being persuaded to mind mind control and where did like that, now where you know? did lsd come from i think it was it came out of a, a laboratory experiments by the cia right before that they were exper- well i don't know I, i'm not sure i've heard it i think it's allegedly point. lsd came from a nazi, nazi lab i don't i don't doubt that yeah that, a that, nazi lab so there's another connection to it looking to control the populace yeah well there you go and there it had go. been taken over and it had been uh, investigated and played with under Operation MK Ultra. But but here's another little <clears throat> little wrinkle to that whole JFK yeah. uh, and wife of the CIA director. There's some there's some thinking that she she was friends with Timothy Leary and she was getting LSD from him. Yeah. So there's some thinking that she gave LSD to JFK uh-huh. during their little times together. I don't doubt it. And you know maybe maybe he was being mind controlled too. Sure, you know because maybe, the thing maybe is when said, Johnson said, "Hey Jack, I think you should go to Dallas," and, <laughs> and there was like a, there was like a code word in there. Uh, yeah, you know, like there's some girls there, Jack, that might be interested because in you, you know and, because we know and that, Jack said, "Oh, maybe I'll go to Dallas." Because we know that uh, JFK, uh, uh, John, and Jackie Kennedy were getting amphetamines and air quotes, vitamins from their own Dr. Feelgood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, he, was, he, was, uh, he was daily. There, there, was, there was reports that he would, during meetings, oh, he yeah. would like jab himself through his pants with a needle because yeah. he was in such pain. Yeah. You know, some kind of 
morphine or something. Yeah. I don't know what it was. So yeah, he was he was heavily um, influenced by drugs. So we're gonna we're gonna. So no, no, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that the, you know that he could have been given LSD. Yeah. And, and who knows? Anybody, who knows? By who who or what? And the the thing that really is mind boggling is all of these connections. Yeah, you know, and they really are metaphysical connections. They really start are. Looking at it, like how all of these, all of these guys, and all these things are, this was all interconnected. You know. Yeah. I mean, no, no, who knew this? When 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 I was a kid, I remember the assassination, and, and yeah. you're just thinking, okay, this this lone gunman went up into this building and shot the president because he was a he was a communist sympathizer, and he was nuts. Well, you know that picture on Life magazine that I gave yeah. you. That was when you read the article. It was a total piece of um, yeah of uh, manipulation of the press. The guy that owned Life Magazine also owned Time Magazine. He yeah. was he was a right wing um, fascist sympathizer. Yeah, he was the one that put the picture of Hitler on Time Magazine. They also bought the uh, full extended version of the Sapruder film, the original Did they? version. Okay. This is Luce. They, His name is Luce. And um, he and he kept it, it under wraps. Hen, Henry Luce, I, I forget what his first yeah. name was, but uh, he, so he he had, he was a huge. Uh, this is where the where the media was beginning to be taken over. If oh, you, sure. If you read the article, which I have, and I'll give you yeah. from that magazine, it, it's a total piece of propaganda. Yeah, you know, making Oswald the the sole assassin. It, it's clear. It's clear what direction but, they were going. But in. But under MK Ultra. They had been working on ways to manipulate the public, yeah, how absolutely. to screw Clearly. with people, Pro propaganda, and, yeah, and how absolutely. people were able to be manipulated the same way the German yeah. people were, in, leading up to the rise of the Nazis. Mm -hmm. And you know, if if you look back into Oswald's past, when he was when he was a kid in school, he was a juvenile delinquent or something. I don't yeah. know what he did, but they put him into a home. And he was given drugs. He, yeah. he was probably given LSD or something. I don't know. And they, they manipulated him. He, he, was, he was a plant. Like he said, he was a yeah. Nazi. They set him up. Yeah. He wasn't a communist. He, he worked for the CIA. Yeah. He was a plant. He, how the they hell? sent him over to Russia how as a plant. How the hell can you defect to Russia? <laughs> you know, stay there for a Russian couple woman, of years. Come back, back. Right. Come back and, mm -hmm. and a couple of years later... He's accused of killing the president. I mean, yeah, it's it's ridiculous when you even look at it. And that the whole New Orleans connection, which which um, Oliver Stone sort of tried to get movie. into in, in JFK. Great movie. Well, Os Oswald was it was just, it was it was a total setup. He he was giving out brochures for this this imaginary group, uh, Americans for Cuba something. Yeah. Um, he was the only member. Ameri the, Americans for a free Cuba. Yeah, he was the only member in in New Orleans. Yeah. So it, it was a total setup. He was getting out these pamphlets, and and he was created. The character of Lee Harvey, Harvey Oswald was created. This Pl is the plain and simple. This is the perfect time to talk about, and we're going to end the show. Yeah, we got to wrap up. So. We're going to talk about the uh, the Warren report. The Warren well, Commission. That's another thing. This is the perfect place to end this. Yeah, absolutely. What a sham that was. Because the thing is, is that if you look at the Warren Commission, a lot of the testimony that was given to, to the Warren Commission by witnesses who were there at Daly Plaza, their testimony was totally rewritten. Mm -hmm. Squashed. And was fabricated. Mm -hmm. 
And there were people who came forward and said, this is what I saw. Right. And they, uh, these people said that they were, a pro- they were told by people who were allegedly in the FBI and the Secret Service, you did not see that. Right. You did right. not hear that. Mm-hmm. You did not smell that. Right. What you heard were shots being fired on the sixth floor of right. the book. And, and who, who appointed the Warren Commission? Who appointed the Warren Commission? Right. Well, obviously LBJ. Well, but who was put in charge of the Warren Commission? Who was on the Warren Commission? Who was yeah. a who? Well, first of all, it was the Warren Commission after after Supreme Court Justice Warren mm-hmm. in name only. Right. Who was really in charge of the Warren Commission? Your, your old friend, Eric. Alan Dulles. Yeah. Now, is that not a kick in the ass? Is that not a major kick in the ass? All the things we've talked about. Everything we've talked point, about in the past three the, hours. The pivotal role that he's had in this whole thing. And then they put him on the, on the you know, what a, what a conflict of interest that is. How the, and after he, every, Kennedy, Kennedy fired him, and then they put him on a panel that's investigating Kennedy's assassination. So tell me that's not a total conflict of interest. But that's not, a, that shouldn't be surprising. You look at, at the entire, point. you look at this guy's resume. How the hell is it that you can put somebody in charge of the investigation of Kennedy's assassination? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't. I. I I'm he not. He was that fired by Kennedy. He I, was I know, fired exactly. by Kennedy. It's a total. It's a total conflict of interest. Uh, and then you know Gerald Ford was on there. Well, what happened you know, to Gerald Ford? Yeah, he 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 took over when uh, Nixon got caught with his pants down. And and uh, he, you know he pardoned him, and so he he was a he was another he was right in there. He was another setup guy. He was seemed innocuous, but he I don't think he really was. That was like kind of his image that he had. So I don't I don't know. I've never really looked into the other people that are on there, but I'll I'll bet you that you could make a connection with all of them. Yeah. To, you know, into this whole because the thing is, thing. in that this I know is, people are going to say it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But, well, maybe you know. Or it's just a conspiracy, you know. Yeah, it certainly was to, in my from my viewpoint. But I mean, the case that I've been trying to make for the past couple of shows here is that the groundwork had been laid very early on from the rise to the Nazis, which led to the assassination of JFK. Mm-hmm. Any president who who came out and said, "Oh my God, we got to do, we got to put an end to this," that person was marked for death. Mm-hmm. Including, and, including Lincoln, because the thing is, is that there was Lincoln, a, Lincoln was it was it was a different time and a different setup, but it was it was the same idea, yeah, same same energy, you know, that was controlling everything. And anytime you block that, you know, it doesn't you don't end up in a good place. No. generally, no, you end up you end mm-hmm. up six feet into mm-hmm. the dirt. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. The but, the, the the big thing that I'd like to leave the listeners with is that, you know, I, I was a kid and I can remember the event happening. I can remember the Kennedy assassination happening and the impact that it had on people. You know, I, I sat yeah, in front of yeah. the TV for days watching yeah. the whole thing. And it was just, it was just that there was this underlying level of sadness Yeah, that this, this young vibrant symbol. And, and, you know, he had his, he had his weaknesses and he had oh, his sure. dark side and he had all those things. But he was a symbol of all things right with America, yeah. all, all good things, you know, at least at least on the surface anyway. That's the way I viewed him. And it was a kid's perspective, but right. but I think that was not that was that was that was the kind of the pervasive feeling in the American people. 
that that he you know they called his administration Camelot because because yeah. it was a shining example of the way things can be, yeah. and and I and and don't think for one minute that that assassination was not that group saying, look what he got, yeah. look what we did to him, and and everything is right there to to yeah. see if if you choose to look, yeah. you know, so it was a statement about that. Like, okay, you know, you, you think the American dream is the American dream? Well, here no. you go. Here you go. No. You know, and and that's part of the whole thing. They, they, they put it in your face. You know, this is what we do. This, he is, was, this is the power that we have. We took out the president. And on top of that. Plain and simple. They took out the president. And then they took out Lee Harvey Oswald on live TV. Mm-hmm. Jack Ruby Absolutely. died. Clear, very, very good example. Exactly the same time. Jack Ruby yeah. essentially died under mysterious circumstances in prison from something like I don't know, it was cancer, radiation poisoning. Well, according I, I to I think some. they said it was cancer, but there was some conjecture that it was. There's conjecture. That it was. It was given to him somehow. You know, who knows what the CIA can do with that kind of shit? Yeah. So and 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 and, and he was going. He was supposedly going to talk. Yeah. But but he never got a chance. We say and I and I and I say this and I say this in all honesty and all earnestness. Because when you look at MK Ultra and we are going to do a a much long, longer show on MK Ultra in the upcoming year. But the thing is, is that we look at the protests that are going on right now after Trump was elected president, and you've got to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. But you look at you look at what happened. People should be pissed, and they should be taking to the streets. Not just because you didn't like this election. You ought to be pissed because there is a secret organization, a secret shadow government that is in control of everything. And if it wasn't, if whatever bad shit's going to happen, it's going to happen whether it was Bush in office, whether it's Clinton in office, whether it's Obama, Trump, whomever. Right. And, and, and I want to just say that I don't think taking to the streets does does anything. No. I, I saw it in the 60s. I've seen it. You know, it doesn't change anything. It's it's just a diversion of energy. The only thing that's really effective is, is to work at a grassroots level toward change of some kind. You know, work work for a congressman that you want to get in power, work yeah. for a, even on a very local level, you yeah. know, for people that you want to see reflect, um, you know, a, a, a different mentality. Yeah. Of, of what than what we have and you know what and here's what i've done and this has really changed my outlook i have stopped reading america media cnn fox news well it's all controlled it's all, all of it it's all tainted with with yeah it's with it's the viewpoint that they it's it's one point it's one viewpoint against the other viewpoint. yeah it's a it's conflict yeah it's that's all it is if you look at the way things are set up, it's one. They get a panel of people arguing one point. They get a panel of people arguing another point, and they just go head to head and and yell at each other, and then it's done. And you know, it's yeah. nothing really ever gets solved. You know, no, so, so you except know, for I, you're diverted. Exactly, your yeah. attention's diverted from you know. It's the, the old shell game, like yeah. we talked about earlier. That's that's, that's but, what it is. But you know, what's more, there it goes. So, yeah. so my recommendation for people is to, if you're unhappy with with the way things are, um, then then try to do some some things at, at whatever level you can affect to to make things a little different. Yeah, you know, so that we don't have this ongoing cycle of um, having 
America be be and do things that are, are questionable and find out who your congressman or woman is find out who your senator is set up a google news alert and and follow this person yeah follow and if you don't like what they're doing then try to get somebody on board that might who's your governor or, or if, if if you're so inclined try to get involved yourself in in, a, in the political who's system sh- here's a question they're saying that that politicians have to be lawyers and no you know, they can be anybody that's the way i mean the system yeah. still is there it's, yeah it's been subterfuged and, and to the point where you have to be almost be rich or yeah or whatever to get into office absolutely so, you know um, that's kind of the way it's set up it doesn't have to be that way though yeah it doesn't have to be that way not yet anyway not there's, yet there's still there's still some openings yeah know? so walt happy thanksgiving yeah pal. same to you enjoy your uh picture of lee harvey Oswald. i certainly will he's gonna so be a nice, look- nice addition to your to your to your studio absolutely he, 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 will, he will be a constant reminder of what can happen when you yeah. When you get manipulated. Thank you, Walt. Talk to you later. Okay, Eric. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the unexplained and supernatural phenomenon and is dedicated to you people, our listeners. You can learn more about us by going to our webpage, metaphysicalpodcast.com. There you will find links to this episode's show page with links to more information on this podcast's topics. Also, the metaphysicalpodcast.com, you can find links to our Facebook and Twitter handle, past episodes, and links to our iTunes and Player FM accounts. That's also a great portal for you to contact us and let us know if you'd like to be guests on our show. Just drop us a line with a quick summary of what you'd like to talk about or promote and means of getting back in touch with you. The Metaphysical Connection is a product of the Fedora Chronicles Network, copyright 2016, all rights reserved. Until next time, keep your chins up and your fedoras on.